Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. It's nothing but the truthful man's journey to find it. It's August the 9th, 2015. And once again, we have uh, Johnny Cerucci on, the author of the book Illuminati Unmasked. He has the website johnnycerucci.com and the podcast or the blog cast uh, uh, Resistant Rising. Um, what do you call that again? It's not blog talk. It's <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the the host is Blog Talk Radio, and the program is Resistance Rising. It's funny, I uh, experimented with uh, podcasting back in 2013, and um, uh, I I had a, a show for a short time that uh, I I didn't think was going too far, so I just experimented and moved on. And if I uh, search for it on uh, Satan's preferred search in of Google. That's the only thing that comes up. So um, you have to go to uh, uh, Blog Talk uh, Radio. Actually, just go to my website. Yeah. And um, uh, go to the on air button and uh, just click on that, and that'll take you right to wherever you want to go. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, Radio Free America is what I called it back in 2013. This was before I had um, my complete awakening to the, the flat earth Jesuit world order conspiracy. Um, so it's, it's interesting to that. Right, I agree. That's the best way to, to find Johnny's shows is to just go to his, his website, johnnyceruzzi.com. And from there, you'll be able to listen to all his recordings and interviews and et cetera. It's good stuff. Uh, you know what I want to talk about before we get going here, Johnny? You're supposed to ha- be having something going on in September. It looks like you're going to be doing a lecture or a talk, and it sounds like you're just going to be down the road for me. So uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. That's nice of you. Sure, Mike. Uh, I, and I would be very excited to see you there. Pastor Mike Spaulding of Calvary Chapel, Lima, Ohio, has invited me to do... It's actually Lima. I'm sorry, Lima. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm not an Ohio N. So, uh, Count your blessings. It's the same thing, yeah, it's the same thing here. People uh, have um, uh, places named after uh, you know, world cities and so forth. So I, I live um, in Lebanon, and, and PA, but it's not pronounced Lebanon, it's Lebanon. That's that's how the locals. You have to say Lebanon. You're, you're not. If, if you say Lebanon, then they laugh at you, and you're like, "What are you laughing at?" Uh, I would be. So it's kind of like the insider thing. But uh, so it's it is an all day event there in um, Lima, right? Lima, Ohio. Lima. And uh, and it's, it's Lima. It's like li- I I I. Don't hang on. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I, okay, great. Lima. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasize the I. <laughs> Writing that down, Lima, Ohio, and um, uh, Pastor Mike's a great guy. He he um, 
reached out to me and I interviewed on his show and uh, he's kind of pretty much plugged in there and um, not quite sure why he was crazy enough to have me come up, but he wanted me to do an all day, uh, an all day presentation, which um, is going to be very challenging, but uh, I think pretty rewarding. So it's on September the 26th. I believe he wanted to start, I think like nine, he go like 9 a.m. to five in the afternoon. Wow. Very challenging, but uh, uh, there are a ton of topics that uh, I think are that we can cover that is really going to... Sh- I, I came to the Lord of Calvary Chapel. I came to the Lord of Calvary Chapel, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, with Pastor Skip Heitzig there. Uh, I, I spent... It was January 16, 1994. Um, crazy. I, I really... Uh, literally, when... It, People say, well, you know, how do you, how do you know if you're a Christian? It's, it was a life-changing event. It, it radically altered me. I was a non-practicing Catholic. And that's how, it's, clearly the Lord has a sense of humor to have put me on the, on the, the, the trail of the, the Jesuit world order as, a, as an Italian, a former Italian Catholic brought up in, in Catholic schools. And so it, it, uh, I've always had a, a special place in my heart for Calvary Chapel, but I have come to learn, as you well know, Mike, that... Um, the fundamentalist evangelical movement has been seeded with uh, crippling disinformation, absolutely crippling disinformation, uh, from the understanding the full and proper role of modern Judaism, modern Israel, the, uh, the question of the rapture, Daniel's 70 weeks, Christ and prophecy, the tribulation, Christ's return, and most importantly is the punchline and who it was and why these, these heresies were, were sown into uh, fundamentalist Christianity is who is the Antichrist. And so Protestants have understood this, uh, oh my goodness, since the, really since the birth of the, of the Roman Empire, since the birth of, of the Holy Roman Empire, um, and the subjugation of Christians worldwide, no, no enterprise, no agenda has slaughtered, harmed more Christians than the so-called Holy Roman Empire. Well, humanity. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church. Ask, ask people. I just ask people, do you, do you know, have you heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs? Some Christians have heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Do they have any idea that the villain in Fox's Book of Martyrs is the Catholic Church. We're, we're talking about persecution of Christians. And so it's really been on my heart lately to understand, particularly in the Book of Revelation, um, the whore of Babylon has a cup of harlotries. And what is the, this... Uh, the fornications and holotries, what, what do these speak of? These speak of an intimacy betrayed. So the whore of Babylon, the system, and, and, and women in Revelation, particularly in the book of Revelation, are, are um, metaphors for religious systems. Mm-hmm. That's correct. What is the betrayal? The betrayal comes from the fact that there is a modicum of Christian truth to the system. It's not going to be a system that is completely foreign to Christianity, or else you cannot have fornications and harlotries and betrayal. Correct. 
you have to have someone who claims to be the vicar of Christ on earth. You have to have a system that claims to be founded on Christian truth, but in, in reality has a, a syncretistic mix of Babylonian, Chaldean paganism that um, and ends up really controlling the world. Yep. That would be uh, the papacy, would be the Bishop of Rome, Romanism, you know, it's daughter churches. So, well, and yeah. that's why it's so, that's why it's so, uh, so critical, uh, Mike, that, that uh, people understand for generations, since the, 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 the Catholic Church has begun to exert itself and to enslave people and to bury God's word, um, and to forbid it outside of Catholic leadership, to translate it only in, in Latin, and um, to come up with indulgences and purgatory and confessionals um, from, from Wycliffe to Tyndale to Martin Luther throughout the entire existence of, of the Catholic Church. Um, all of those good Christian men and women understood the Catholic Church to be the whore of Babylon and understood the Pope to be the Antichrist. And there are popes, I think, Pope Gregory I, I want to say it was Gregory I, called his own office the office of the Antichrist. So um, it's, it's been understood only until the last 200 years where all these things have been rewritten and the rewriting has been done by high, treasonous, heretical scum who, who have completely betrayed the body of Christ. These preachers, I'll tell you, from, from Copeland to Hagee to Hinn uh, to, hey, I have to say it, high Freemason Billy Graham, I have found that the people in the spotlight who have witnessed um, fervently, almost hysterically, I think that's a good example, of a good, a good descriptor rather, of people in the spotlight who have these really, really, really strong witnesses. It's almost as if they're witnessing for their souls, that they're, they're trying to prove that they really are saved when they know in their hearts that they're not because they betrayed Christ. They betrayed his body, they betrayed the ecclesia. I, I hate saying uh, the church because it's, it's come to mean organized religion, and I despise organized religion used by Satan. But um, if there is a preacher, and you see him on Fox News, um, then you know, or CNN or MSNBC, then you know they've been put there for sowing disinformation. And so... Uh, I, I really, these, these heresies, you know, you've got Copeland um, uh, just within the past eight months or so, right? He had his, his um, Pentecostal leadership crusade there where, where they had um, uh, the, the Pope's uh, boy toy. You talking uh, about uh, Tony? Yeah, yeah, Bishop Tony Palmer. There's, that, that was last year, wasn't it? That was last yeah, they, they, it was. Um, Apparently, last last summer, supposedly Tony Palmer died, 
in a, in a motorcycle accident. Yeah, if you just search it, don't put any dates on it. I remember it being uh, coming around um, like the beginning of this year, but um, my, I could be off on, on exactly when it happened. But the bottom line is it happened. It was beginning of that. Yeah, yeah, you had Kenneth Copeland inviting Bishop Tony Palmer. He's uh, He was Anglican, right? Yeah, well, something. Yeah, whatever. part of the Roman Catholic Church. Amen. <laughs> Episcopalian, Catholic, light, Anglican, they all really are thoroughly controlled and manipulated uh, by, by the Catholic Church. And if it's not done directly, it's done indirectly through Freemasonry, which has been really weaponized by the Jesuits to control uh, Protestants. And you, you bring these scum who, who vow their lives to Lucifer in as Freemasons, and so they're the keepers of the secrets, and, and they sow disinformation, uh, the, the disinformation that we're talking about. Uh, well, before we go any further here, because I, I think we might have failed if we didn't, uh, let's do it again. Uh, what day is your... Uh... Sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's easy for us to off topic. Yeah, yeah, so it's September 26th, should be a Saturday. Okay. Uh, and I want to say, like... Uh, Nine nine to five in Lima. Did I get that right? Lima. 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 Oh my goodness, dude! I do it three times now. Don't worry about it. Lima. In the day, we we know we know what you're saying. Calvary Chapel, Lima, Ohio. Pastor Mike Spaulding. And um, where can we get information about this? Uh, Go to JohnnySucci.com, and everything is right there. Okay. Uh, right out the very first, uh, very first scroll down link there. And, and uh, like I said, I just live an hour away, so if you need a place to stay, you're more than willing to. It's just a, a shot down 23 uh, to line up. Listen, man, let's let's call it let's call it a day. I I, I think uh, Pastor Mike's going to put me up overnight, but I uh, absolutely want to see you in our spare time there. I should be coming up there. Friday and staying through Saturday, and okay. um, either going home Saturday night or going home Sunday. Well, just another offer in case you know. I know money's tight and all that. You need a place to stay. I know it's an hour away, but um, if you need to, it's an easy. Hour. Yeah, no, it's still regardless. I still want to spend some time with you, bro. Um, let's see where. Okay, oh yeah, the other thing I just want to, as far as business goes, let you know uh, the last show we did a ton of downloads. Might be even the most. This show has ever had. For some reason, they really like the conversations that you and I have. And I also know of, uh, that you've sold a couple books through the show, so or at least one. Nice guy. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who else. So if you let me know, let us know, folks. Uh, if you listen to this show, if you end up purchasing Illuminati Unmasked, send an email to me or Johnny. Let us know that. Because, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this is to support Johnny. Not only, you know, that's just a reason I enjoy talking to your brother. I really do. <laughs> I feel we're kindred spirits. We're, we we're absolutely different, are. We're, we're different personalities. I'm more laid back and kind of sloth-like. <laughs> but you're, oh, oh, you're high energy all the way. So that's a good balance, I think, that we have between the two of us. Pretty down-to-earth conversation, so we have enough people appreciate that. So We hit a lot of rabbit holes, don't we? Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, that's Lima. Lima, Ohio, by the way. I think I got it this time. 
So basically, we're going to be talking about in there. You're going to be talk, exposing basically the Jesuits, the Jesuit order, what's going on, how their influence infiltrated the church, and basically what else? So the government. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. We, we the we beast system. Everything as far as the critical, the the matrix, the the matrix that we live in that was created, the, the Jesuit world order. Everything from uh, who really rules the world to what evangelicals wrongly believe, uh, particularly about prophecy. Um, we're going to eventually get into this whole flat earth thing towards the end there. And, and, and some of these, these things, of the, the role of the Jews in Israel, these are all going to be earth-shattering. Every single topic is going to be earth-shattering, and we're going to throw it all together in one big event you find out, you realize you're wrong about everything. Funny. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> Here's the other yes. Thing too, I, I, you know, as we're talking about uh, the horror, the horror system, the, uh, the Babylon, you know, Rome and her daughter churches. Then there's the beast, the beast system that I hear people get wrong all the time. You mean the horror rides the beast. And what I like to just say and interject for me, for my own research, is that the Roman Empire never died. You bet, and, and I'll tell you that um, these metaphors can have more than one meaning. Meaning, pardon me, they can have more than one meaning. For instance, um, Islam is a beast that the CIA is riding. America is a and, beast and, that Rome is riding. Oh, yeah, but, you know, you look at, like, uh, Revelation 13, I hear constantly, especially the disinformation coming out of, like, Seventh-day Adventists, saying that America is the image of the beast. But if you look, if you do your own, don't listen to anybody else, just do your own homework. Look at to, uh, the people, you know, the uh, biblical commentators from 100 years ago, uh, and, you know, further back, they all knew that the image of the beast is the, was Rome, is the bishopric. They are the image of the beast. Rome, Rome Catholic. Well, I, and I have no, I have no. Honestly, Mike, I have no problem either way because I am, I am comfortable that thanks to what we understand in Revelation, that the beast will eventually turn and devour the the harlot that, that rides it. Either way, and um, sure. it's important, and then, however, that I agree with you. By the way, I, I would, I would side more with you than uh, than with these preachers that you're mentioning. That. Um, I think that Scripture is a cipher that was placed there by an extremely cunning Holy Spirit that wanted the true know, vicar, the true vicar of Christ. By the way, our Holy Spirit is the representative, representative of Christ. Amen. Not a man. So, so no people man. say, and I'll tell you, I, I, I get a lot of. I, I listen to. I don't listen to them anymore. I'm just so damn frustrated with. Podcast. I've absolutely unsubscribed all the podcasts because, uh, <laughs> at the bare minimum, they're just going with um, going with the flow. They're going with uh, the hype words. They'll say uh, Illuminati fifty times and, and have no idea what they're saying. Uh, uh, they, they also like to jump in and say that um, uh, you know, like you're saying, America is is Babylon. No, no, no. America is a captured operation. It's part and, of Babylon. It's part of Babylon. Yes. It's being exploited. Absolutely. And, and there's the reason why that there are no clear answers to where is America in Scripture is because the Holy Spirit, the true vicar of Christ, is keeping our beloved country 
up the Lord's sleeve as an ace in the hole, that there is no clear direction. In a moment's notice, if we rose up on behalf of Christ, we could have America back. America can be used in any way that the Lord wants her to be used, and that's why I believe that there is no clear answer to the question, where is America in Scripture? You have a lot of people say, well, America is, is evil, America is Babylon, America is this. You don't know. You cannot point to a Scripture and say that here is your proof. You can only here's, point here's to the, what Here's the other aspect of the whole thing. When you really study geopolitics and you understand NATO's role, UN's role in this country, you realize I mean, it's, it's out there if you want to find it, folks, that uh, even the U.S. military you know, one of the three major city-states that are part of this Roman Empire, uh, Washington, D.C., does nothing without the consent of the Roman Empire that be in Western Europe. They don't. I mean, you know, you look at Libya, you look at Afghanistan, you look at Iraq, and people think that we just operated unilaterally or we made our own decision to some kind of, we're some kind of empire. We're part of the empire. And this is this is you can go on record and find it. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is we don't do anything without the approval of our masters, and that's the reality. Uh, if we want to change things, the first thing we got to do is understand our true reality. That the because you know, what we're doing this is what Austria is to convince everybody that it's either America, it's Russia. They have all these front groups boogeymen that keep people from really focusing on who's really all this mess. We know that the dragon gives it its power. What's it? It's the Roman Empire. It's the papacy. It's the Vatican. It's the Jesuits. The Jesuits have been manipulating this country for a very, very long time. Many an author, if you just go back 100 years and read the text, were warning us that they were already infiltrating the political, uh, uh, what was going on as far as in Washington, D.C., that even as far back as 1850s, uh, that Rome was involved in selection of presidents. This point of the is so overwhelming that you can really do what you think. First thing you have to do is accept the fact that even, even, I, a little recent, uh, uh, Orwell, it, our uh, letters that he wrote to his friends who were Roman Catholic and asked, why are you so interested in Roman Catholic uh, articles, magazines, uh, information? Because in bold letters, he sent back to one of his friends, I want to know the enemy. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Even if you don't know who the enemy was, it was a Catholic church. We're talking about in particular, we're talking about the clergy. We're talking about the bishopric and their heart. They have a political educational system. Went to a private school or public school. Find example B was what you brought up earlier about the whole heliocentric model. What do you have to say? <laughs> uh, no, I, um, and watch your watch your recording there, bro, because I'm getting a lot of uh, breakup and interference on on this end. If it sounds okay on that end, that's good. 
Um, I would say that absolutely, if you look at um, everyone's in power, everyone who's in power, what is their education? Do they have an affiliation with a secret society? Or are they a devout Catholic? You have covered everyone in power in the United States. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and I'm paying particular attention to those who aren't Catholic who are Freemasons. Uh, and then you have the majority of the secret societies are overtly or covertly Catholic anyway, from the Knights of the Equestrian Order, Knights of Columbus, Knights of Malta, Skull and Bones is um, um, clearly ruled by by Catholics, and always has been really from you know Carrie to William F. Buckley. All these guys that that are in Skull and Bones, their their rituals include very Catholic based rituals. They kiss the slipper toe of the Pope. Um, they um, uh, desecrate the remains of uh, Madame de Pompadour who convinced uh, Louis the, uh, I think it was Louis the 15th to kick the Jesuits out of France. So uh, yeah, it's, it's these, these organizations, you're talking about everyone in power right now. So um, uh, the, the, the current uh, candidates to chair the joint chiefs of staff, Martin Dempsey, Irish Catholic, the current chair, chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to be seceded by, um, uh, pull him up here, Joseph Dunphy, I think it is, Dunford. Uh, Joseph Dunford, who actually, did, we, we just, a lot of times it's hard to tell these, these high treasonous scum who are general grade, flag grade officers in the United States military, it's high treasonous scum because they went to an academy but uh, Dunford actually did go to Jesuit Georgetown. We're just going to throw out the pretense altogether uh, and just ride it right out. So, um, you know, if, if you include all this, educated by Jesuits, member of a secret society, uh, devout Catholic, uh, that's it. That's, that's everyone in power in the United States and the world, really. Um, and if you understand in the, in the East, in, uh, in Russia that unfortunately so much of the Orthodox Church is, is ruled by the Jesuits, Jesuits secretly, and anything that isn't is covered by the, the Freemasons. Um, so unfortunately, that, uh, there, there's a lot that is co-opted in, in the East. My, my only hope and prayer is that I don't see the same level of control in Russia that I see here um, clearly, I would assume the FSB is, is completely owned by the Luciferians, by Rome, uh, that, that everyone in power, the, a large portion of the general grade officers in the Russian military are also corrupted. But I don't see the treasonous events. You don't see a lot of false flags. Uh, I have a good friend in um, uh, Serbia that will regularly show me chemtrails. So they still have the high traders that, that, that are poisoning uh, the people there, but uh, you don't see the, the same level of false flags. I've put a lot of effort into studying the East and, and Russia, and the only two false flag, highly treasonous events that I can find, uh, so I have found so far, are the, uh, the bombings that occurred in Moscow, and also I believe a military barracks was bombed in 1999, where a lot of good Russian people were slaughtered 
and the FSB was implicated. And at the time, I'm afraid to say, Vladimir Putin was in charge of the FSB. He had a very short stint there uh, running the FSB. He was placed there. And then right after those bombings, he was made deputy prime minister, which was very apropos. And, uh, and it was that point that he started to uh, prosecute the war against the Chechens. Now, um, I found it interesting that one of the Jewish oligarchs who had put Putin in power, Boris Berezovsky, the best he could do was claim that Putin knew that the FSB was implicated in the bombings. He did not come right out and say that Putin was behind the bombings. Um, he just said that Putin was in on it, in the know, and so that it's possible that he just understood what was going on and, and rode out the fervor. And, and clearly, it worked. It absolutely worked to put Putin on the map. Uh, Putin made that, that smart-out comment about how he was going to find those terrorists even after he had to follow them into the bathroom. And so um, that's on the, the downside. I still think there's a lot of control in Russia by the Luciferians. Oh, yeah. uh, but I don't, I don't see the same level of just malignant hatred for the good Russian people uh, that, that exists in America today at every level, Mike, every level, the lowest level of police precinct judges, they're just completely owned by malignant Freemasonic scum that, that, that just, um, uh, you know, the, the, the local cop here in, in Lebanon absolutely is afraid that we are overrun with illegals here. And, and not a single local cop will, will um, process an illegal out, ask them what their, their, their status is or process them out. They, they all know. And none of them have the courage to, to take a stand because it is that corrupt down at the local level. So these people that get, you know, I, I, I listen to my neighbor, uh, uh, E.J. Felter, John Phelps, the three names, extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he likes to, to talk about how well, we're, we're going to secede. Secession is the way. No, secession is not the way to go. Everything is completely controlled. Everything is completely corrupted. Guess what? The Luciferian scum have stolen all of my country. I want it all back. I don't know how the Lord is going to deliver us and deliver her to, to us, back to us, but that's what I want. I'm not stopping at you know, taking up a, a little bit of Texas here, a little bit of Oklahoma there, a little bit of Com Pencil Commonwealth of Pennsylvania there. No, I want it all. You took it all, I want it all back. So um, it, it really is completely corrupt, and uh, I, I just uh, I still have a hope. We, we lift uh, – anytime you see a little bit of hope, I, 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 I pray for those individuals – and I, I heard that um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., who I think he just made that again the most well, the highest paid actor in all of Hollywood. He did a, a an interview with John Lebowitz, um, who is uh, also known as John Stewart, where he said that he listened to uh, Bible scholar Chuck Missler. Now, the fact that Chuck Missler is is I think a Jesuit puppet is a different issue. This, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very good Christian teacher, uh, except when you get into the, the, the Schofield heresies. But, uh, you know, here's little things like that. Like, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? Downey Jr.? So I, I take these little bits of, of hope for these very unusual places. Russia is, is a, I think, filled with good people. 
and I pray for them. I lift them up in prayer. Uh, the, 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 I just watched that stupid propaganda movie, Fury, that, the, the World War II tanker movie. And, uh, and Shia LaBeouf, uh, I guess I'm saying that right, played the, uh, the, the Christian, devout Christian in the movie, in the, the crew member. And I've seen things that, uh, that he uh, may have come to Christ himself. And uh, you're thinking, oh, come on. Uh, it's easier for him to turn into a camel and walk through the eye of a needle. Well, uh, no, it, it, the Lord can do that. And we don't want to focus on people that are, that are, that are famous just because they're famous. No, uh, a- anybody, that, that, that there's a, a, gl- a glimmer of hope. So we lift them up in prayer. I would love to see Russia powerfully used against the Antichrist, against the whore, and even if the Orthodox Church is completely co-opted, is the second leg of the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which I, I strongly think it is, uh, I'd love to see it um, used powerfully against the whore Babylon anyway. Uh, it, it's tough for, for us as, as devout Protestants, born-again Protestants, to meet with Orthodox on common ground, but we do have... Um, the righteousness of Christ in us, and we can find righteousness in, on that level. I know that the Luciferian scum, the, the, the perverts in the West, in the Western intelligence agencies, have used sexual perversion against the good Russian people. These puppet groups, uh, Pussy Riot and Femen, uh, that have really no, no foundation, really. They're completely astroturfed into existence. Um, they're, they're used to destabilize Russia. So uh, I see these battles going on. I see uh, homosexual coming out days. I think there was a, a recent attempt to have a homosexual coming out day on a Veterans Day in, I believe it was Moscow, and that was not a smart thing to do. Uh, there were Russian veterans and, and Russian, even Russian police that did not appreciate that very much. So, um, and, and I will say that we have anything hold ill will against homosexuals. We just acknowledge that homosexuality is like any other sin. It's a sin. We don't lift it up. We don't parade it around. Um, that's where it's being used by the Luciferians as a weapon. Homosexuality has been weaponized. So it, it's, it's never a good thing to see violence take place, but it is a good thing to see weaponized perversion get beat down. So um, I, I, I do hope and, and pray, and, and, and the idea that Russia is um, Magog is part of the Schofield heresy created by the Jesuits. Um, oh, absolutely. So, so uh, if, you, if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Russia has to invade Israel, well, <laughs> um, you're wrong on two counts. You're wrong on the role that Israel plays in prophecy, really none. Israel's role is completely fulfilled. Um, from the seed of Abraham, all the nations have been blessed. His name is Yeshua. Uh, there is, there's no reason for us to believe that uh, we have to wait until a third temple is built for Christ to return. Christ is the temple. He told the Jews that. You, if you tear this temple down, in three days I will raise it again. The temple is our Messiah. And if our Messiah lives in us, we are his temple. So the persecution that is coming we, has already existed. And, and I'm pretty sure you're with me on my, this, on this, whether, um, you know, the, the tribulation, uh, it, it's clearly a Jesuit heresy. Absolutely. That, uh, 
this climactic seven-year tribulation is going to happen in the future. No, no, no. It's been happening. And there are some schools of thought that say that the bold judgments have already occurred, courtesy of the Whore of Babylon, courtesy of Rome. Um, certainly enough Christians have been beheaded to say that, I believe it's the fifth seal of the martyrs, has been fulfilled. So um, and it's a little bit tougher to get into the, the animal plague. I, I, I like, I like uh, Dave Nikao's work. You can go to ChristianityBelief.com or dot, something like that, yeah. Here, com or net or org, one of two, but you'll figure it out. It's Christianity Beliefs. He does a great study. He's going to be doing a, uh, a more thorough one. He's doing that right now of Revelations and how uh, just about everything has been fulfilled, um, whether the, the seals, the bulls, the etc. Um, that we're just uh, we're in the time period of it being, you know, that things are just going to ramp up. They're just going to get tougher and tougher and tougher until Christ makes his decision. Uh, I really think that when you look at the pre-trib, the seven-year trib, whether it's pre, po- mid, or post, is all designed by Satan and the Luciferians to destroy people's faith in God and in the Word of God. So when it doesn't happen, when there's no rapture, whether pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, whether all these things that the people are waiting for do not happen, what will happen, from, just like it happened in Western Europe, is people just lose their faith. Because they don't put their faith in the Word of God and in Jesus Christ, they put their faith in the Word of men. This is the danger that we have right now with pastors and priests and, and, and just this hierarchical system, this organized religion, as you talk about, that you hate, and I agree with you. The problem is is that we're not, we're not putting our faith in the Word of God and, and Jesus Christ. And just doing the research yourself, asking him to, you know, do the revealing. And now we're in a period of time where anybody who really wants to know the truth will find it. The problem is, the challenge is, because whether most of us are still in love with the world, what does that mean is, is man, is man's organizations, is people, is our fear of being alone and isolated. And what are the consequences of knowing the truth and following the Word of God, just as in the Old Testament is, is that you will be alone and isolated with God. That doesn't mean you might want to find a group of people here and there that are going along with you, and there's plenty of them out there. You, you make sure that even in the Old Testament, the story there's still 7,000 believers left. And the fact of the matter is, is that people at this point have put their faith so much in man and in men's institutions, pastors, and their church that they no longer yeah. have a personal relationship on, with God. So. Spot on. I, that's, that's why I absolutely despise organized religion. I despise, I don't even say the word church anymore because I hate it so much. People have abrogated their authority from their own souls to the earth as a whole. Who owns the earth? You ask any Christian on the, on the street, anyone that goes to, ch- goes to church, I think I'm really saying that. <laughs> who, who, who rules, who owns, pardon me, not who owns, who owns the earth? You say it very carefully in those terms. Oh, Satan, the devil, the, the rule of the air, prince of the air. Wrong. Wrong. You own the earth. You 
are a, a son or a daughter of God by the blood of Christ. The earth was given to Adam, son of God, to steward and all that is in it. Well, Adam, when they talk about God, the priest, the priest, uh, the prince of this world, people mistake that as they're thinking geography, <laughs> when reality, world, we're talking about humanity. Amen. He is. He owns the system. He owns yes. the world system. That is what he showed Christ. That is what he tempted Christ with. All of the kingdoms. He didn't tempt Christ with the world because it was already his. Christ already owns the world. It is the world banking system, the world militaries, the world intelligence agencies, Hollywood media. That's what the the uh, adversary owns and. We can overcome it only by acceding, by asserting our authority, which we already have, which we don't, we don't even uh, use because we're immature, we're spiritual children, we don't have the courage or the love of Christ in us. We don't have the outrage against evil to stand up and recognize and say, wait a minute. I have authority because I am the steward. I have been given authority by the maker of this world over you and your system. And so people say, well, oh, gee, where's Johnny? How are you able to do what you do? Well, I got Christ. I don't have anything else. They can kill at will. They can destroy your reputation, destroy your finances. I have the trump card. I have the king of kings, Christ. All I have to do is uh, uh, maintain my own walk with Christ and do my best to look myself in the mirror, control my own flesh, not allow sin to get out of control, really, because that's when, uh, you know, what, what killed John F. Kennedy? John F. Kennedy was killed by his own sins, living as a moral reprobate. If Kennedy was a born-again Christian who had his flesh under control, he could have changed the world with the things that he was trying to do. But because of his sins, because he was living as a moral reprobate, all of his great ideas went out um, in, in Dallas. So um, we have authority, and the reason why the enemy is so successful is because he's weeding us out. He has been allowed by the, the, the great uh, the matchmaker, the father, to weed out those who are not worthy of being the son's bride. There's a, a quote that, that I like to bring up every once in a while from Jubilees about how um, – of course, the reason for the flood, and, and we could use this to bridge into the whole Bigfoot thing. We sure. talk, I actually did some research to, to set this up, but um, I, I do agree with um, a, a lot of the ear ticklers out there that like to talk about Nephilim and giants and the paranormal. Um, they, they are doing nothing more than tickling ears. The whole, uh, yes, transhumanism is is a threat. It's an important topic for about five minutes out of an hour. The rest of that hour should be spent on the Jesuit world order. But uh, they're, they're, they're used to tickle ears and, and, and are empowered by the Jesuits to, to do that. But um, without getting too far down on that, in that rabbit trail, the mixing of, uh, let's say, genetic experimentation that was occurring in the time of, of Noah that, that looks pretty clear from an overt reading of Genesis chapter 6 was really that 
appears to be the, the main cause for the flood. You don't have to go really much further than uh, I want to say Genesis chapter nine, where it talks about Noah was perfect in his generations, which you know Noah walked with God and was perfect in his generations. And so that's telling you that Noah was a godly man who was not affected by the genetic tampering of the fallen ones. So there's this passage in Jubilees that, that talks about um, Mastema, who may have been just a, another version of the adversary, chief of the spirits, he's called in Jubilees chapter 10, who is in communication with with Yahweh. And apparently what happened was after the flood, the sons of Noah um, saw that these fallen ones, the watchers, were reasserting themselves and starting to cause the same problems that, were, that had occurred before the flood. <clears throat> me. And so they reached out to Noah and they said, Noah, please have the Lord take these fallen beings and their aberrations out of here. And so Noah did that, and, and, and the Lord responded to Noah and said, yep, they're all done, pull them all out. And then Mastema speaks out and says, Yahweh Creator, let some of them remain before me and let them listen to my voice and do all that I shall say unto them, for if some of them are not left to me, I shall not be able to execute the power of my will on the sons of men, for, those, for these are for corruption and leading astray before my judgment, for great is the wickedness of the sons of men. And the Lord said, let a tenth of them remain. Okay? So the Lord is saying, yeah, okay, you want disinformation to be sown in the seeds of men, to, to, to have these aberrations there for your, for your purposes? Yeah, okay. So the Lord does the Father the great matchmaker, does have a purpose. Listen, the Lord is sovereign. Satan does everything he is told. Before he did anything to Job, he asked permission. So if that's tough for you, I don't know what you're going to do with it. God is sovereign. Now, here's the good news. Everything happens for a reason. We are rising up. We have this information that we have for a reason. The Lord is not going to ignore the cries of those who love him. And if those who love him say, Lord, we have been deceived. We are enslaved. We are being beat down. We're being tired of being forced to live on the enemy's terms. The Lord's responding. This is all part of what we already call it, the, the, the Highlander quickening, whatever you want to call it. The, the, the prophetic times are, are rapidly coming to a climax, and I got news for you. It's, it has little to do with the Jesuit contrived seven-year tribulation. It's absolutely Jesuit contrived. The 70, 70 years that were given from Gabriel to Daniel, the 70 weeks, pardon me, of years have already been fulfilled. And that's the kicker. With the that's stoning, the kicker, brother. The stoning, of, the stoning of Stephen. That was the fulfillment. That was the end of the 70th week. Bingo. And here's the thing. As evangelicals and fundamentalists, 
Go look, and I've got to pull this up right now. As evangelicals and fundamentalists, dispensationalism, this thing, and, and I tell you, I, am, I have felt to this day I'm still coping with, uh, excuse me, how I've been betrayed by Chuck Missler. Dr. Chuck Missler, but, but uh, the Jesuit puppet and his Jesuit handler, Hal Lindsey, uh, this, this stupidity of dispensationalism, of this great chess clock in the sky, of the Lord is, is going to deal with the church, and then he's going to hit the chess clock, and then he's going to deal with Israel, and he's going to hit the chess clock, and he's going to come back to the church. Wrong. Wrong. The body of Christ, the ecclesia, controls all who love him. Who is the synagogue of Satan? The synagogue of Satan is any practicing Jew who is well-versed in their own scriptures, who has been exposed to Christ, Yeshua Hanazareth, who fulfills the scriptures and still turns his back on Christ. You are the synagogue of Satan, okay? If you know the truth and turn your back on the truth, Hebrews chapter 10, you have no hope. So that's who the synagogue of Satan is. The synagogue of Satan is not, synagogue of Satan is not all Jews. The synagogue of Satan is any Jew. Why does the gospel go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile? Because that, that by their bloodline and lineage, they have special preference? No. Because by what they have been given, by divine intervention through Moses and the prophets, through the law and the prophets, they have a better foundation. The Jews were the, that, that came to Christ came to Christ in a snap like that in his day because he fulfilled it all. They had the complete and total foundation. In the right. same way now, we would say instead of first to the Jew and to the, then to the Greek, today we would say first to the backslidden Christian, then everyone else, because backslidden Christians have the foundation. They know when you preach to them, they can be called and come back just like that because the foundation is there. Here's the kicker. You go to Daniel 9, 25, 26, 27, and you read how it talks about he will make a covenant with them. And that he is lowercase he, that's heresy. That's heresy. Only one man makes the covenant, the God-man Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus made the covenant. It's the new covenant that, that, that there's the spec, uh, mentioned of in Jeremiah that he himself talked about. The new covenant that you cannot put into an old wineskin because it might tear. He made the covenant beginning with his ministry. And then seven years later, just like you said, Mike, Stephen was murdered and the Jews turned their back on Christ. The temple was destroyed and that's it. The, the, the prophetic fulfillment of Israel is done. That is the 70th week. That lowercase he, regarding who makes the covenant, is heresy. It is a capital he, capital H, and the he is God. It is the God-man Christ Jesus. He made the covenant. There is no future Antichrist. Nowhere in that passage does it say the word Antichrist. And this is some of the stuff that's going to shock, hopefully, Evangelicals and fundamentalists, we're going to talk about this at, at Calvary. This is some of the stuff you have been living a lie. And that's going to be my next book that I've already uh, I've got the title. Everything you know is a lie. <laughs> yes, but this time, hopefully somebody will do it right instead of like, uh, uh, what's his face, Lloyd 
Pi or Pi Lloyd, whatever his name is, all these other people. That, hey, listen, listen. That, that, you, they, you pull that up. Pull that up on YouTube. And everything until he gets to the true origin of mankind is brilliant. And I, I well, that's know. I'm saying he, he, he totally missed the biblical truths of and, matter. And, and, and I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that his early death, um, there's, there's got to be sinister circumstances surrounding his early death. Um, pull, that, pull that up on the Internet, and it is a, a, a brilliant dissertation on, um, or against Darwinian evolution and the role that these creatures, these, these large, hairy creatures play. Um, now, I, I do want to make it clear that there is a lot. There, the majority of this Bigfoot stuff is um, hoaxed, and it's hoaxed because it's useful to the Luciferians to have us sidetracked and bred in circuses. You get these, these goofballs that just obsess over this. Um, you know, they hear a weird noise when they're camping, and they're absolutely convinced that it's, the, you know, it's Bigfoot out there, and, and, and half the time they have no idea what they're doing. And it's very disappointing to see these non-professionals out there, but the, 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 the sad thing is, is the professionals out there don't know what they're doing either. Uh, uh, the, the Jeff Meldrums, who, by the way, is an arrogant pot, um, of, of, of this community want to put this phenomenon into this uh, nebulous evolutionary Darwinian explanation too and say, well, you know, the, the gorillas and the pandas, they weren't discovered until, no, wrong, wrong. The Roman legions were bringing back gorillas uh, uh, from their conquest. They knew what gorillas, mountain gorillas were. Um, there, there, there is, I believe there is something to this phenomenon um, but the, the genuine ones are, are more paranormal than not, and that's just supposition based on my, my research. I was really into this in, in my um, uh, the days before I was, I was born again, and so the whole, all this paranormal stuff. And, and there's a great book, well, great, it's an interesting book by um, uh, Anne Slate and Alan Berry, and it's simply called Bigfoot. And I read it as a, as a teen from the 70s. And there are a lot of passages in this, in this book of paranormal interactions with this phenomenon. And in fact, the book talks about uh, the instance of the, um, uh, the Sierra recordings are you familiar with them at all, Mike? The the the, the Sierra Bigfoot recordings. As far as I'm concerned, they're they're just as big as the the Patterson Gimlin film of um, uh, supposed uh, Bigfoot sounds. Okay. Right. So if you're not familiar with it, pull it up. Uh, listen to it on on uh, online. You'll get snippets of it. It's it's creepy. It really does seem very genuine. Uh, uh, I want to pull it up real quick, but um, this was in the in the seventies, uh, and uh, Alan Alan Berry was there. Ron Moorhead was also there. Ron Moorhead is is uh, I don't know if he was at the time. Is a born again Christian. He's now doing a lot of work with um, L.A. Marzulli. So uh, interesting connection there. And um, 
really fascinating stuff. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And I believe that there, there really is something to this phenomenon, but, but it's, it's paranormal. I, I don't know. I don't want to go too far and say that it's, um, it's clearly Nephilim type of DNA, GNA splice, uh, gene splicing, but uh, there, there definitely is something to it. And so this, um, this book by uh, Slate and Barry Bigfoot talks about the, the, uh, how those recordings were made. And there was even paranormal stuff going on during the recordings. There's weird noises going on inside the camp, uh, clicking sounds, people waking up. There's uh, um, it's tough to wade through because you have no idea which of it is, how much of it is a hoax. And, and, what, what, what is, the, much, na- what is what's the name of it again? Sierra Sounds? Or? Yeah, the, the recordings, you can look up uh, Sierra Sounds, Sierra Recordings, Bigfoot, Ron Moorhead, Alan Berry, uh, query under those, those, uh, those key words there, and it, it will come up. Okay. Um, and it really does seem legit. There is clearly is a, a primate type of, of noise where you go online and you hear some of this stuff. It's, oh, come on, man, that's an elk. That's a moose. It's, it sounds weird. You haven't heard it recently. That's, that's you know. Um, but, but these Sierra recordings are clearly primate in nature. And so... Um, uh, it really it will, it will creep you out if, if you listen to it because it really seems legit. And this back in the 70s, I want to say 73, 74, 75, somewhere around there. So shortly after the um, Patterson-Gimlin film, and look, that's it. That's it, folks. That's all you're going to get. Modern technology means that there's, there's nothing short of, um, I wouldn't trust anything. I wouldn't even trust bodies. How many times have bodies been hoaxed? Uh, uh, for the, the whole Bigfoot thing. But uh, these snippets of, um, of uh, you know, digitalized, don't, I, don't, I don't get into UFOs anymore. I, I don't even look at it because modern technology, it's so easy to hoax at any area. There are projectors that can project hoaxes, that that's very sophisticated. It's much easier to just manipulate a, a, a video Online, anybody can and manipulate video easily on their own computer nowadays. So uh, I don't really get into it anymore. But you go back to the Patterson-Gimlin film, oh, 67? Uh, and then the, uh, these, these recordings, these audio recordings, and, uh, and, and they really are powerful. Uh, so you have this phenomenon that goes back and, and, and you get these idiot psychologists say, well, there's always that place in our psyche that the, a big hairy boogeyman is just part of, uh, of the, human, uh, the human experience. And, you know, we've always had that. Well, eh, I, I, don't, I don't buy that. And, and, and the things that the people that, that annoy me just as much as the believers that, that go to the Church of Bigfoot are <laughs> the skeptics that shoot down anything and everything regardless. They're just as annoying. I do think that there's something going on. I think that there's some, there are some people that are having legitimate experiences. And I think it's fascinating, though. You know, I did some, some homework for the, for the show, Mike, and um, I kept thinking of Edmund Hillary for some reason. Edmund Hillary. What, what, why? Let's see. Well, okay. And I, and I keep seeing this picture of a Yeti footprint next to an ice pick, next to an ice axe. Right. Well, it turns out that um, this was back from the, the mid-50s, and the picture was not taken by Edmund Hillary. 
it was taken by Eric Shipton. Now, there were a group of uh, Anglo mountaineers in the early 50s that fixated on the Himalayas and on Everest. And there um, are several names that are important. George Lowe, Eric Shipton, and Edmund Hillary. Uh, Hillary is the one that is credited as the first white man that we know of to have uh, climbed Everest with his, uh, his Sherpa guide in uh, May of 1953. Uh, in his company, I'm pretty sure that Shipton was there with him, uh, and also in the Himalayas, the, it was Shipton that took those pictures of Yeti tracks. And it wasn't just that one Yeti track. It was a whole line of, of Yeti tracks. And so that was what really piqued their interest. Now, Hillary did go on to actually conduct a Yeti expedition. And um, so the, all of these guys were uh, into this stuff, and it's fascinating to know that they were all also knighted. They were Sir Edmund Hillary, Sir John Hunt, protectors of the realm. And knighthood, particularly English knighthood, is, is, is just as good as becoming a high-level Freemason. You bring them in, and so they are now keepers of the secret. They're now part of the I got mine crowd to hell with all of humanity. So it's fascinating to know that uh, in, uh, when was it? So Hillary was uh, knighted. He did his, his trek in 53. He married his wife in 1953. And then a few years later, guess where he went, Mike? He went on an Antarctic expedition. Oh, yeah? And so he went on an expedition, the Commonwealth Trans-Antarctic Expedition. And this was, uh, let's see, 1955 to 1958. And you know what happened in 1959, Mike? The Antarctic Treaty. That's right. The Antarctic Treaty that put the militaries of the world powers that are supposedly at odds with each other. All the enemies of the world got together for the Antarctic Treaty to use their militaries to keep you and me out of the poles. So Hillary supposedly crossed, uh, trekked across the, the entire Antarctic continent. What a brave guy. Uh, the knighted Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, in 1975, his, his wife, Louise, and their 16-year-old daughter, Belinda, died in a plane accident. So I'm always piqued by information like this because for as far as assassinations go, um, dying in the crash of a small vehicle is, is really one of their favorites. And so you never know with something like that. When someone is a Luciferian, someone is brought in on the inside, it could be that they've asked for that to happen, or it could be that it was a message that was sent. Uh, maybe Hillary was weakening on his knowledge of what the earth really is, and so they had to send him a message. We don't want to kill him because he's one of us, but we do want to send him a message. Or who knows? It could have been, uh, you know, he got tired of his wife, and married for 22 years. He was willing to sacrifice his daughter. Who knows? 
But I always look at things like that with extreme skepticism, and it's fascinating. Right in the same period of time, we have another interesting – oh, by the way, uh, there, are, there are two uh, geographic locations in the Antarctic area that are named for Edmund Hillary. Uh, there is the, uh, the Ross Sea is a, an underwater basin that is derived from Hillary. There's also, oh, let's see here, uh, the Hillary Coast. I'm sorry, Hillary Coast and Hillary Canyon. And Hillary Canyon is the under, underwater um, uh, basin, really, in the Ross, within the Ross Sea just outside of Antarctica. So um, it's fascinating to notice who else made a trek down to Antarctica, roughly in the same general time period, Werner von Braun, the Nazi behind NASA. Also, this was actually 1967. Now, von Braun, they didn't even try to make up a, a legitimate excuse as to why Von Braun, listen to this. Von Braun went to Antarctica to pick up moon rocks. No lie. That is the official story because as they're blasting the moon with all of these fake uh, manned and unmanned trips, moon rocks are coming off the moon, and where are they landing? Well, they're landing in Antarctica, and that's where Werner Von Braun had to go and pick some up. Come on, really? Really? Yeah, it's the same thing as and, and, and when, when they bring these Luciferians into their, their inner circle. And Von Braun always, always was one of theirs as a, as a Nazi, as, as an occultist, uh, as someone that was part of this, uh, an expert into rocketry that was manipulated into um, the pageantry and lies of space exploration. I guess they needed to really assure his loyalty, and so they showed him what Antarctica really is in 67. And so trumped up this, this ludicrous story of having to go there to pick up moon rocks. So uh, I just thought that was an interesting tie-in uh, because um, uh, when, when you think about these, these mountaineers, these guys in the, in the 50s, you always remember, call to mind, pick them up, uh, look them up rather, uh, Eric Shipton Yeti footprints, and, and they'll come right up. And um, I really am convinced that there's something to those, those footprints. Now, you've got to be careful when you're looking at, pardon me, anything that uh, is being left as evidence in snow because snow will melt and then freeze and then deform the impression. However, anyone who is the slightest bit knowledgeable can clearly see, okay, that's deformed, that's fresh. These footprints were attested to by another expedition climber, Thomas Bordelon, B-O-U-R-D-I-L-L-O-N, as being fresh and clear, and, and they shook him up. Um, I've got a quick quote from Lauren Coleman, who is, uh, has got, does great research and uh, writes great articles. They, they really are much more professional 
than the typical tribe could get from this community. But he unfortunately has come across to me as another arrogant uh, turkey in this in this area. Um, he says that Bordelon, I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but uh, he was in the Everest Reconnaissance Party, wrote to a friend, Michael Davies. He said, of course, uh, for Michael, all these New Zealanders, uh, everybody's Michael's Mick. Uh, Dear Mick, here are the footprint photos. We came across them on a high pass on the Nepal-Tibet watershed during the 1951 Everest expedition, two years before. They seem to have come over a secondary pass at 19,500 feet. And, oh, my goodness, you go look at these pictures. These guys are all bundled up, and they really were. That, that was part of the appeal back in the 50s. That, that you did have to have some level of toughness to do this stuff. Right. Um, and 19,000 feet, and you have some kind of crazy man-sized primate bouncing around up there. Uh, from 19,500 down to 19,000, where we first saw them and then went down the glacier. We followed them for the better part of a mile. Uh, what it is, I don't know, but I am quite clear that it is no animal known to live in the Himalaya and that it is big. Compared to the depths to which it and another expedition member, Mike Ward, no featherweights, he wrote in parentheses, have broken into the snow. Yours, Tom. Uh, uh, Bordelon also wrote his, his wife and said the abominable snowman is not a myth. There were about a mile of these tracks at 18 inches apart and staggered. The pads were eight, and ten, eight inches by 10 inches, and they probably walked on two legs. And I love that he would say something like that because he's not drawing too many conclusions. He's just making suppositions. Uh, they were impressions of the front pads where the beast had jumped a crevice and scrabbled on the landing. So the very famous picture that will come up for you is probably a um, – one footprint inside another. And so that's the reason why you have the appearance of the, the large digit, the large toe, offset from the others uh, because you have one inside the other. However, when you see something like that, you'll say, well, uh, then you have the deformation of the snow from, from melting and, and, re, um, and refreezing. But uh, um, you have members of the expedition telling you that these pictures were taken within a day of these tracks being set. So very little deformation of the, of the snow. So if you look at these pictures across these mountains, 19,000 feet up, are you kidding me? So clearly we're not talking about something that's normal, okay? Um, I believe something's going on, but uh, it, it, it there are a crossover. Now, how much of it is paranormal and how much of it is physical? I'm not willing to say that either. I don't want to over-spiritualize and say it's all, you know, they phase in and out. You have a lot of sources. All of the Indian sources, I don't want to say Native American because that's so politically correct, but American Indian, um, uh, whatever you want to call them, Native peoples around the world, will associate these creatures with malignant forces. Now, some of it is superstition, some of it is the boogeyman stuff going on. But a lot of it, um, you know, tracks very well with what we know as, as Christians. Um, you come up with some of these, these names, Buquas and uh, Wendigo, and, and uh, they all trace back to Mountain Devil, Cannibal of the Woods. Um, they, they all have a, a sinister... Hairy man. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, I, I was some of them. Um, I, they'll come to me later, but uh, many of these, these native peoples names for this phenomenon has a, uh, has, has a spooky or a malignant um, uh, trace to it. Oh, here's something else I came up with. Um, whenever you see this, this is what I call Anatoly's nose. You have to have Anatoly's nose. When you read something, don't run over it. Stop. Um, there was an expedition in the 60s of a couple of lineys, I say with love, lineys, um, John Hunt and George Lowe to the, uh, the Pamir Mountains in Wakhan, Asia. Guess who they went with? They went with a bunch of Soviets. Huh. Sir John Hunt, British Soviet Pamir Expedition. And Sir John, a knight, a protector of the realm, said that he started this in, the, in 54, planning for this. He met with a group of Soviet mountaineers in a lecture in 50, 53 on the Everest expedition. Oh, this is right on the heels of Everest. So right after Everest, who gets in? You, you have the Brits and the Soviets coming together. And the same way that you see the OSS and the NKVD, the CAA and the KGB, whenever they work together, that's the calling card of the Jesuits. That's the calling card of the Luciferians. Where on the surface, we're enemies. They even claim that their enemies, the Jesuits, have uh, undying hatred for the Masons. Oh, please, you own the Masons. You couldn't do a damn thing, pardon my language, without the Masons as your foot soldiers. Right. So you see this expedition in 62 in the Pamir Mountains, and, and guess what? It starts in Moscow, and yet Sir John Hunt is given complete command of this expedition. And so um, you see a lot of crossing over. And I will tell you, I'm very skeptical. So I look at stuff like this. Okay, how much of this Yeti stuff was, was blown out of proportion or just really fabricated by the Luciferians as a distraction? Um, I, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of that. I, I really think that some of this stuff has a legitimate basis in, uh, in people coming across things they can't explain. So, uh, and, and, uh, and look that up. Uh, Mary Louise Rose is Edmund Hillary's wife, married right after he was knighted, right after the Everest expedition in 1953. She died in 75, along with their, their 16-year-old daughter, Belinda. So, um, you know, sinister, sinister stuff uh, that surrounds this. And really, if you know what to look for, you see the Luciferians. You see them at work. They bring these scum in. And I don't know to what degree Edmund Hillary was, was in the know, but the fact they went to Antarctica and, and, and then put forth the same crap, the same globe-earth, heliocentric crap that everybody else has been putting up with. Uh, you see these stories about how Steven Schmielberg has special access to UFO abductee testimonies and so forth. Look, this is what the Luciferian scum do. They really, they don't have to, to create great people. Probably not great people, but renowned people. They just co-opt them. They take someone who is doing well, and they bring them in. And so, uh, and they take these science fiction turds that help to promulgate 
space travel and the Big Bang, Jesuit George's Lemartre, Jesuit um, uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, uh, cosmic evolutionary Darwinian accident, uh, heliocentric globe Earth stupidity. And they lift them up and they blow them up so that um, it's virtually impossible for you to come out of the matrix. You know, how, how, how um, oh my goodness, the whole space travel, Star Wars, Star Trek, it's everywhere. No one questions. I just watched this um, latest the Wachowski film. I did a write-up on it. And I'm surprised how well it did on Before It's News of uh, Jupiter Ascending. Have you seen Jupiter Ascending? I have not. I've heard you talk about it, but that's all I know about it. Yeah, the latest Wachowski film. So, and, and, and it actually has lines in this movie of where she's being exposed to these aliens, and she's, this is crazy, this is outlandish. And, and the, the, the comeback, this, this uh, Channing Tatum uh, uh, splice part Wolfman character comes like what's what's outlandish um the idea that the earth is one of millions and millions of planets that couldn't possibly have other life on it so that that's all part of it and here's the kicker brother is that the lie of your environment the 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 jesuit big bang darwinian cosmic accident isn't even scientific it's the opposite it's not based on the scientific method it's very simple you know uh, um i who is it samuel robotham uh big flat earth guy was it robotham that wrote zetetic astronomy i'll call pull up in a minute but but i, I was like oh zetetic what does that mean zetetic means by observation uh. It means scientific. It means you make observations free of prejudices and bias. And then you draw your conclusion after appropriate experiments are done. That's the scientific method. You make observations. You create a hypothesis. You uh, set conditions for experiments, hopefully locating and isolating variables. And that's the key because you may not be able to understand what all the variables are and therefore you may not be able to isolate them. I think that is the, the big kick, the big reason why the stupidity of Coriolis, look up Coriolis effect, the stupidity of how the Earth's rotation affects ballistics and, and, and various other things. You go on the Internet and you have these morons, these complete morons, then, well, because of the Coriolis effect, if you're shooting east, east to west, you'll drop by a full minute over, over 1,000 meters. You, more, you have no idea what you're talking about. So is it perfectly east to west? And if you're a degree south, does it change in any way? Two degrees south, 10 degrees south? How does it change? How about north to south? You idiot. You don't even know what you're talking about. There are so many variables at play, you're allowed to see variation in your shot groupings and then assign them to this ridiculous non-existent Coriolis effect, which is against the scientific method. So the stupidity, the lie of space, the lie of all the movement in space, the Earth is spinning a 1,000 miles an hour, 
The Earth is moving in a solar system. Um, Traveling 66,000 miles. Oh, my goodness. The solar system itself is moving at 500,000 miles an hour. The, the universe, since the, the, the Milky Way galaxy is traveling. Uh, you know what? I've got those measurements. I've, I've got to pull them up because they really are ridiculous. All of this ridiculous movement in the universe has no basis in observation. It has no basis in scientific fact. And then when they realize that there is no perceived parallax, and that's great. It's like it's so cool that um, Robotham's nickname was Parallax. That's like, uh, the fact it was, it's a, it's a, it's a DC comic uh, villain. Uh, the Green Lantern villain, I think, is, is Parallax. You wonder how that all comes together. Um, that there's no visible, discernible parallax in star formations. The, the star formations, when there is movement, they go in the same over and over and over again. There's, there's no discernible difference from season to season. The stars are completely predictable, and the North Star stays almost pinpoint accurate, the same place. There's no way with all of this ridiculous movement of the Earth, the spinning of the Earth, the Earth moving in the solar system, the Earth moving in the, in the galaxy, in the Milky Way, and then through the universe, Millions and millions of miles an hour. It's ludicrous. It's not even observable. And here's what you need to know. Everything you believe, you've been told. You have to trust Luciferian scum to believe your worldview. And that is the key of the matrix. Well, you know, uh, first of all, guests, too, they asked... uh, you know, what is the importance of uh, Bigfoot and, and what's going on in 2015? So, but I want to interject a few things in my own observations. This past week, I spent a lot of time. I haven't, I'm not really a someone, you know, as a kid, I was kind of fat in, uh, fascinated by Bigfoot, but I never really spent much time. I know people personally who say they've seen Bigfoot, <clears throat> what they call Bigfoot. So this week, you know, when I, when I was, the other week when I was listening to you, uh, you know, the interview of uh, a gentleman that just had that movie, the uh, documentary or movie about Bigfoot. Um, what's the name? Of it? What's his name again? What's the name of the movie? Yeah, it was the um, the Bigfoot Chronicles, and the gentleman's the Bigfoot Chronicles, and the gentleman's name was Thomas Monson, M O N S O N. He's uh, an independent filmmaker. He came across to me as as a um, sincere guy. I, I was concerned because the, the interview kind of fell into my lap and so I'd, I'd love to do this topic because it, it's, it's a very pregnant topic but I think so uh, I think so the, the guest too was asking what's the relevance so <clears throat> um, just from my own research and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours the past week trying to find some credible sources couldn't find anything on the internet just like you said it, I, if people want to it, it's called para Breakdown, his YouTube channel, the guy does a really good job of exposing a lot of these fakeries as far as UFOs, as far as uh, Bigfoot sightings and how they go about faking it. Now, saying that, now, at the same token, there's people out there who swear they've seen something. Then you got guys like Bear, his nickname is Big Bear, Jim something, and then Will something, his nickname is Kumbo. He's a couple of old-timers from down south. You know, down south they call Bigfoot boogers. I don't know if you knew that, but that's the 
Boogers. Yeah. In fact, I, I, if you go to my show, you'll listen. There's three of them, you know, boogers. That's what I call it. So, anyways, listen to these two gentlemen and their description of them growing up living down south with these creatures they call boogers. You know what? This is my impression. As far as if it's real or not, I have no idea to prove it. I only have to do is just put my trust in what other people say, what they saw. I don't know why anybody would want to lie about it unless you have certain advantages. But the average person, like you and I, well, we have no benefit by lying about whether we saw people or not. <clears throat> Well, there's, 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 not to run it, but there's two reasons. There's two reasons for that. Is one is very modest levels of notoriety, but also um, is there, there, the Luciferian machine may want to blow something out of proportion and really hype people up on it. And, and well, so I, I, I want to explain a couple things about because you know you, you look at war, folks. We've been under war all our lives. Uh, the biggest part that we've been under war is psychological, war psyops. Um, and hear me out. Um, if we look at history, like, for instance, both these indigenous populations in North America and other parts, like Australia and et cetera, they had part of their war, the folk war, was this uh, beast of the woods, the hairy man, uh, we'll call Bigfoot Sasquatch. Um, in, in Australia, but, it's the Yowie. Yeah, in the Yowie. And um, but the thing is, uh, the advantage. Okay, now look at it culturally. Why would it be the advantage? Okay, so you have villages, you have communities, you want to keep things intact. They didn't have the same Luciferian system coming out of Rome. So what did they use? So they used superstition tales and all that as fear to keep people from, say, leaving the village. Don't leave the village or the hairy man, Bigfoot, Sasquatch is going to get you, type of thing. Now, you say, hear me out, because I'm not saying that there is not such a thing as what we call Bigfoot. What I'm saying is they take advantage of this thing culturally to, as a way of controlling their group psychologically. We look at Orwell in 1984, we talk about the Department of Fiction. In our lives... It's been very important in the whole lives. You, you know, we love it. It's fiction. It's storytelling. How they use storytelling to manipulate us, trap us, keep us from leaving the herd, if you will, leaving the pack, leaving society. It's a very important thing. It's a dynamic that's been going on in all cultures throughout time. Now, the question then is, why this particular character the Sasquatch Bigfoot is such a big thing, you know, this big hairy man. And you only can come to one conclusion that it's some, throughout history of man, this creature that we call Bigfoot has been part of their lives. You look at guys like uh, uh, Boom, uh, Doom, uh, Boombo and uh, Bear, these are the nicknames, these old timers. I think Bear is dead already. I think... Uh, uh, Willie, I think, might be alive. I think he died as well. Anyways, these guys grew up down south in Mississippi or in Alabama, and they swear that that's where they live. They know how to find Bigfoot. They do all these things. They're they're not part of the mainstream uh, meme or uh, message out there. Can't trust anything that comes out of television. Just can't. They twist everything. That's part of the job. That's what it is it's about social control. It's about mind control. It's a, uh, it's a military weapon. 
You can't really trust anything that comes out of History Channel, etc. Might be a little glimpse of truth, but they're not going to go down that road. You look at these old timers that hardly anybody knows about, that uh, they're not really heavily promoted and that kind of thing. They had a show called uh, Bigfoot Outlaws. You can check it out. Listen to them and their, their storytelling and their experiences, and you have to come to the conclusion that they, along with others, personal people that I know that say that they seem to be, I don't know if like, you know, but Ohio is supposed to be ranked third, fourth, or the top seven of states of Bigfoot fighting, sightings, that there's probably this creature that's out there that's very, that's learned to live with us and is very, it knows how to uh, escape. And the government has reasons why to hide it. Now, let's go back to 2015. If we realize and discover that they've lied to us in NASA about what the world looks like, what they're doing out, quote-unquote, in outer space, they're lying to us with the, uh, the planet that we live on, uh, what it really looks like, what would be the advantage of uh, the ruling elite, the government, whatever, which is just an instrument of the ruling elite, would want to distort the message, hide the message. Uh, well, one of the things is by promoting the message of Bigfoot in this kind of mystical, spiritual uh, way, uh, by working in people's psyche, uh, just like a good hunter would. You know, you, you give up good stories to keep people from being part, going into your, your good hunting grounds. That's what you always do. That's what they do now. That's what they did back then. That uh, you so. You promote this stuff. It all seemed to really ramp up in the 60s and up, along with this whole Agenda 21, the UN, this whole idea of working, you know, keeping people from uh, being parts of these tracts of land that are solely for the ruling elite, if you will, or just for uh, whatever. It's a very advantaged and advantageous story to share. Like you said, it's a way of distracting people from the Word of God, from Christ, uh, or distracting people um, in many different ways. I think there is such a thing as, as Bigfoot, but I, I, I have never seen it. I can only put my trust and faith in a common person who has no personal benefit. They say these things. And if they, if they kill in these things, for some reason they're hiding them, why would they want to do that? Well, it would affect the logging industry, the tourist industry, all sorts of different industries. Why you'd want to hide it? Plus the advantage of having these staples and storytelling. Plus the fact that this Bigfoot thing, whatever it is, contradicts part of their Department of Fiction, uh, what we call the uh, evolution so what is it true or not? You and I don't know until we see it ourselves. Like you said, you have to have a critical mind. You have to have a, use a scientific approach to life. You need to, a scientific method. You so, said, you know, until I can observe it and see it, I, it's, it's, you say it's true, but I don't know. What's the advantage to it in 2015? Well, as we are slowly waking up, whether deliberately, whether it's something that's a... a they're doing to us to just to, to deflect us from other issues, more pressing issues, say about the flat earth. All of a sudden it's coming out in front of starting people start to realize that NASA's lied to us about a whole bunch of things. Uh, here's the book Bigfoot. There was a reason why it's on 
History Channel. It's on um, Animal Planet. It's on all these different shows. They don't just put it there because it's good ratings. Uh, they put it there for a reason. And if you ever notice, these guys are all walking around in their night vision stuff and uh, infrared, and uh, and they never find anything. They never hear anything. You know, what is really going on? What's the real motive in it? And uh, I really think a big part of it, a big chunk of it, if you look at what uh, the media is about, not only is it about uh, controlling the masses as far as the, the, the official narrative of the world, but uh, then the it's also just to dumb us down. You watch these stupid shows, and I haven't really watched any, but, I, you know, in the past four years, but it's been around for a while. I've seen a couple of them. And never uh, any kind of resolution, never anything really happening. And you have to ask yourself, why do they spend so much time and energy and money wasting our time promoting that? And it's it's beyond... Uh, selling items or products because if you look at History Channel or uh, Animal Planet, like shows like that, these, most people aren't going to be buying anything. I never at once ever bought anything because of a commercial on television. I don't know if you have, Johnny. I never have. They say it's about advertisement. Yeah, part of it's that as far as being a good consumer, but what's really going on? So you got these old timers, they got these groups of people that swear they, they know where to find them, they've seen them. What do we do about that? Now, some of them have, do have military connections. Are they part of some psyops thing? Are they deliberately lying to us? Why would they deliberately lie to us if they make no money unless somebody else is paying them to do it? Then you have to ask yourself, what kind of a person would want to lie about such a thing and motive, what would motivate them? We do know it's human nature without the spirit of Christ in you that you are a liar. <laughs> Even with Christ, you still struggle with lying. It's human nature by our conditioning or things. So what's the relevance, Johnny? What do you feel is the relevance of this issue? Because there is an importance, I see. But I, don't, I want to see what you think. What, what is the importance of the Bigfoot issue in 2015? Well... Um, I, I would say that, uh, first of all, I mute commercials. I jump over furniture in my house to <laughs> mute commercials because they're so stupid. The way that commercials attempt to manipulate us as viewers, um, and, and this is over and above uh, What's his name? Uh, Bernays, yeah, and, and the whole the whole idea, the flicker rate of television. Look, if you have a question and and, and you really don't watch TV, or well, hey, maybe I should get rid of it. Get rid of it because it is far more satanic than it is anything else. I I, I still have it for moderate modest things. But there's a lot of things in my life I'd probably be better off without, but. Um, uh, the, the the purpose really, um, you know, I go back to a column that I wrote. Um, are are Bigfoot hoaxes a government operation? And um, you get that on my on my website and scroll down until you see it. It's still on the front page, as a matter of fact, uh, back from March of this year, where I talk about well, how before before we go any further, the the operative word in what you just said there, Bigfoot. Hoaxes. 
I was ex- right. So I was Sorry. extremely careful and precise in the title for that very reason. Right. I did not want to say that the phenomenon was in either direction legitimate or illegitimate. I wanted to say that I now have seen evidence that the blowing up of the phenomenon via hoaxes was clearly a government operation. Um, This is uh, clear from an incident that happened in 2008 where uh, a couple of slimy scumbag hoaxers named Tom Biscardi and uh, or some uh, Dyer, Rick Dyer, that, that piece of crap. Um, there was, a, I think, Matthew Witten is the name of the, yes, uh, W-H-I-T-T-O-N, Clayton County, Georgia police officer was involved in hoaxing a Bigfoot body and supposedly, how much was it? Uh, $50,000 was spent on a rubber, rubber monkey suit filled with the rotting meat in, and, and frozen in a tub. And supposedly, uh, when, when this changed hands, there were helicopters and guys with rifles. And so the, um, the investor that purchased this uh, quickly jumped in his vehicle, crossed over state lines, found out that he had been had, uh, and then contacted the Federal Bureau of Instigation. That's the, the FBI, which, which I call the Federal Bureau of Terror Instigation, which is really what they do. Um, when the FBI arrives on the scene of a major crime, it's usually to cover it up. And that's because the FBI, just like the OSS and CIA, has been created by the papacy. Through uh, the FBI was created by Charles Bonaparte, who was a great grand nephew of Napoleon Bonaparte, huh. uh, high papal puppet, and um, anything. Uh, TWA 800s, Oklahoma City, um, uh, Waco, again and again and again, these major events that have done great harm to the American people. The FBI has gone in and covered up. There's a great video on uh, Netflix on TWA 800 where it actually has on-scene investigators and eyewitnesses who will tell you FBI guy walking through the debris of TWA 800 and actually changing it, marking it, stealing debris, changing tags on debris, Uh, The tags were there based on the data of where the piece of the aircraft was found. FBI scum, you papal scum, let me tell you, if you are in the military or in an intelligence agency and you answer to, um, to break your oath, a call from some Luciferian agency somewhere, Freemason, Jesuit, whatever, to betray your oath to the American people, to the Constitution, I, I shudder to think of what you have coming to you in this life and the next i shudder so they called the fbi over this this hoax and mike nothing happened fifty thousand dollars in cash paid for a hoax and nothing happened that turd the scum tom discardi rick dyer they're still out there pretending to be experts and authorities on bigfoot so later, a 
uh, an auction was held for this useless fraud thing, and they made like $270,000 off of an auction of this stupid monkey suit. <laughs> Who, how, how is that possible? Well, interestingly enough, it paid off all the legal debts because there were lawsuits pending. And the guy who had his who was robbed, he, he, he went away and he was okay now, so everything would swept under the carpet. And it's interesting that I mentioned in this column that one of the men who claims to have been there during the whole episode was uh, Robert Java Bob Schmaltzbach, S C H M A L Z B A C H. And I bring up Java Bob because he himself admits that during this time, he was dealing with the loss of his daughter. And, and I believe it was in a car accident. I, I, I'm not quite sure. So he and his wife were grieving over the loss of their daughter. And Java Bob will tell you that he acted like a complete and total cad and a coward. And he threw himself in to Bigfoot research and traipsed all over the country and left his wife to grieve alone. And so that's what these obsessions can become. Mm -hmm. You can easily be misled. Excuse me. You can easily be distracted. You can easily become obsessed. You can make this an idol in your life. You can spend copious amounts of money. And that's anything paranormal. Ghosts. UFO, Bigfoot, they can easily be warped to become something completely evil. Um, and, and like you and I are very careful to say, that doesn't mean that there is something illegitimate about the phenomenon. I think the Patterson-Gimlin film clearly tells you something's going on. That thing that's the subject of the Patterson-Gimlin film you, if you want to pretend that, that that's a hoax or there's someone in a suit, you're an idiot. You're a moron. You look at that film and you see the dimensions of that subject and you see how the, clearly the, the joints are not lining up to be human. Um, the subject has to turn the whole upper torso so that it can look back at Bob Gimlin as he's coming across the creek. Um, the, the flow of the hair, there's no way. I mean, we're, we're going back to um, Ray Harryhausen. You know, the claymation of Ray Harryhausen is the best of special effects in that era. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, you, you go back and you look at, um, you know, go look at um, one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies, Godzilla vs. Uh, King Kong. Uh, absolute sleeper, one of the greatest movies ever made. But really, if you look at the King Kong costume in Godzilla vs. King Kong, if, if you think that there's a chance, I mean, okay, it, it may not have the full Hollywood budget, but even in modern reenactments, where they really put a lot of effort into simulating a so-called monkey suit, they don't even come close, Mike. They don't even come close. That thing in that film is real. That thing is real, and uh, I don't have an explanation for what it is, 
it um, and I think Lloyd Pye is spot on. It absolutely does far more harm to evolutionary theory than it does help evolutionary theory. As much as arrogant fools like Jeff Meldrum and 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 good good natured men, I, I, I see some of these other real scientists like uh, John Bindernagel and some of these other guys that that are legitimate scientists that want to come across with an evolutionary explanation for this phenomenon. And, and I say, because I had a, a run-in with Meldrum, he's a jerk, um, but I, I say that to, to guys like, um, you know, uh, Bender and they go, um, doctor, I'm afraid you're wrong. You don't have a good explanation for this. Um, you, you, as much as you want to say that there are examples of species that have only been discovered recently, that's really not true. And there are some, certainly, species of that size. Um, and yes, there are vast swaths of forest land that um, uh, you can hide a, a, a phenomenon in like this. But uh, that doesn't do enough to, to explain away why we have so little evidence. And, and you know, I, I recently saw... I started reading some Coleman, and I've had a, a, a some. My, my run-in with Coleman wasn't as bad as my run-in with Meldrum. He just comes across like an arrogant jerk. He, I, I gave him one of my columns, and he accused me of promoting myself. I'm like, come on, man! I'm not that desperate. I'm not after you and your fame. Very few people know who you are. Um, so, um, I saw. I was looking at Coleman's site, and as I said, his write-ups on. Uh, the Yeti and the expeditions of the 50s, they were good. They were good. He at least comes across as, as pulling emotions out of the argument. Um, and he was hyping up the return of the Minnesota Iceman. And the Minnesota Iceman is the, the actual, the few remaining pictures. Now, I don't know what, what is supposedly now floating around this so-called weird museum Supposedly, is the resurfacing of the Minnesota Iceman. I don't believe it for a second. Uh, I believe it's it's exactly what you have, were hinting at. It was taking something and blowing it way out of proportion. And here's here's what they do, Mike. Here's how they make false flags so good. Is you have real people die in a false flag, but you blow it out of proportion. You sell the false flag with a bunch of lies, or you have a real event. Um, you have a real patsy and maybe not a real event, or you have, um, uh, you know, aspects of it, mixed, a- mixed aspects. I'm convinced that the Boston bombing, nobody really was injured or, or, or hurt. I'm convinced that, absolutely convinced that Sandy Hook, nobody died. That's why they destroyed the school already, for those of you who don't know. And they also had the uh, construction guy sign an affidavit that they would not talk about what they saw because they saw nothing. Um, so that's how you really cause a lot of problems. Look, that's that's Anatoly's nose. Well, you have the, to be able to parse the, through. Go ahead. One of the important aspects, if you if you study, like, you know, whenever the shows that I've done, the past four ones, ever show up on recording on my show, uh, like last night's dealing with uh, counterintelligence and how false flag operations have been around for a very, 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 very long time. It's just now 
the general public is now becoming aware of it thanks to 9-11 and uh, going back into history. But if you look at NATO, NATO and their response uh, dealing with the, the post-Cold War or, or the Cold War era after the World War II, and uh, their mastering of false flag operations in Western Europe, in places like Italy and France and et cetera. Yeah, you're talking it, about Operation Gladio, where, where, yeah. where a few good Italian, innocent Italians died in Operation Gladio bombings, and, and, and no one was really punished for that. Uh, high treason, absolutely high treason. And the thing is, understand that one of the important elements of, for the ruling elite to to use, one of the most vital tools they have to stay in control is fear, promoting fear. Well, and, and, else, yeah, but, but, and there's something else, and I want to speak real quickly to um, good men in military and intelligence. If you have been co-opted by something that isn't quite right, and you think that you can fight communism by slaughtering innocent people, I, I hope that you really lose a lot of sleep forever because it's absolutely a lie. And for you to be co-opted to that degree that you could murder an innocent person to think that you're actually doing good for, the, for them as a whole, hey, I, I'm going to save you from communism, which, by the way, was created by the Jesuits. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna save you from communism by murdering you, and, and you buy into that, um, you know Oliver North, you high papal puppet scum. Uh, we're back in in um, when I first heard about Iran Contra, I, I love the idea. Hey, let's let's sell weapons to the Iranians, sell F-14s to the Iranians, so that we can keep Iran and Iraq fighting each other, and we'll give them to the uh, the Contras so they can fight communists in Nicaragua. Great idea. Hey, guess what? couple of things. Um, communism is completely fabricated for needless bloodshed and um, enslavement of the world and, and, and um, stealing all of our money. And there were other things Oliver North was doing that, that weren't so cool, such as um, using drugs to finance his, his operations and putting those drugs on American streets to destabilize the country. He, he would then turn around and, and was working on martial law plan uh, Rex 84 so that uh, the Luciferian papal scum could then, after they destabilized the city, come in with with martial law. So I'm going to jump in there. I just wanted to to, to tell people in relation to, you know, if you've been co-opted, and and, and, uh, Terry Kent Reed, CIA uh, hotshot flyboy pilot who wrote Compromise, about how the Clinton and, and Bush administrations were, were created, created out of whole cloth by the CIA on a mountain of cocaine. Terry Reid spoke of how he was co-opted as an Air Force intelligence analyst during Vietnam, how he says that he was shown photographs of the Vietnamese using American POWs on their supply lines, their lines of logistics, and how Air Force Intelligence and the CIA were targeting those lines anyway and willingly slaughtering the POWs. And he was told by his, his superior, you either 
target you do the intel on these missions, or we'll send you home um, with with a, a dishonorable discharge and bring in somebody that will do the job anyway. And he did the missions, and and that was what that was the seed that turns Terry later to eventually write that fantastic book that is really should be on everyone's shelf. It's called Compromised by Terry Reed, how the CAA created the, uh, the Clinton and Bush dynasties on a mountain of cocaine. And there are some great, great quotes in that book where Reed talks about cooperation between the CIA and the KGB, and he says, wow, I have been a puppet all this time. How high does this manipulation go? Does this cross over intelligence? Does this cross over whole nations? Is there someone higher than the CIA? That clearly the CIA was manipulating the country, uh, doing whatever they wanted on United States soil as a law unto themselves. Maybe there was a, an entity controlling the CIA. Yeah, maybe there was. It, it, it's called yeah. before Babylon. That's right. Jesuits, yeah. The Jesuits. From from the, the OSS, William Knight of Malta Donovan, you, you high people scum, when, when I'm in power, I'm going to dig up your bones and I'm going to deface them the way the, the papists defaced John Wycliffe. Uh, for the, 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 the scum that you are, um, John Birch, the, a, true, a true American patriot, who, was, who, who his name was used by the, the Jesuits and Luciferians, to create a controlled opposition in the John Burr Society by Robert Welch. Hi, Freemason, Robert Welch. Um, but John Birch was a real patriot, a Baptist and a Christian missionary who was betrayed to Mao Zedong by William Donovan. Uh, William Donovan's the same guy that had uh, George Patton, another fantastic American patriot, murdered, assassinated. Uh, and, and that's the beginning. That's how the CIA was founded. Again, William Casey, Je- Jesuit trained, the, the, the Dulles brothers, all, all papal puppet scum. Alan Dulles, John Foster Dulles, John Foster Dulles had his, his, his son, was Avery Dulles, became a, a, a Jesuit cardinal for crying out loud, one of those powerful men in America, and nobody sees this connection, right? They'll actually, they'll talk about, well, yeah, I guess it was the CAA that murdered John Kennedy. Okay, who behind the CAA? Oh, well, no, it's just the CAA. Okay, so if the CIA murdered, blew the, literally blew the brains out of a sitting president in broad daylight and got away with it, how do you explain the fact that the Castros are still in Cuba? I'll explain it for you. Fidel went to three, three separate Jesuit institutions for his education. Correct. He is a complete. He is almost as big a Jesuit fabrication as Barry Sotero Obama. Barry uh, uh, Marshall Davis, Frank Marshall Davis. Barry Davis Obama is what the foul place to call him. Um, And so that's who is behind these people. Illuminati this, Illuminati that. If you don't mention the name of Adam Weishaupt and say that, that Weishaupt was raised from age seven all the way into his adulthood by Jesuits 
and taught canon law at Ingolstadt University, Jesuit Ingolstadt University in Bavaria. You're either a papal puppet, a coadjutor, or you're an idiot. And, and, and this is what separates us from the rest, men from the boys. Mike, we're, we have the courage because Christ Jesus, our, our, our Lord and Savior, is our shield and our sword. And, uh, and the enemy is going to give us a bloody nose now and again. It's going to cause some problems. It's going to interfere with our, our, our communication every once in a while. But uh, we have full authority on, in the cross, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and he knows it, and he sees the writing on the wall. So it's a race. It's a race against time. And, uh, and we'll get, you know what? I, I found those numbers. Uh, I always like to give names, places, and dates. Real quick, here's the numbers of the movement of the earth through the universe. Excuse me. The earth is spinning at, at the equator. Of course, it's, it varies from the equator down to the poles, supposedly. But at the equator, they are spinning at 1,018 miles an hour, 1,000 miles an hour. Now, if you actually believe that an airplane can travel in one direction and make its destination only traveling 500 miles an hour, you're an idiot. Um, and so the, the Earth is revolving around the sun, supposedly, at 67,000 miles an hour. The, uh, the whole solar system is rocketing through the Milky Way at 500,000 miles an hour. And the Milky Way is rocketing through the universe at 670 million miles an hour. And yet there is no parallax visible in the stars. The stars have predictable motion again and again and again. They show up exactly where they're supposed to. And so the lie that was created to abrogate the scientific method is that, well, yes, but the stars are so far away that it actually takes light millions of years just to travel from there to here. <laughs> really? really? Is that the actual reason? Okay, so check this out. The moon is, uh, what, what 2,000-some-odd miles in diameter. The sun is... Uh, what do they say, 800,000 miles in diameter. The sun is uh, 96 million miles from the Earth, and, and uh, how far is the moon from the Earth? Uh, whatever the moon system is supposed from the Earth. And yet the moon and the sun appear to be exactly the same size. Well, that's just a coincidence. The moon, the sun happens to be 400 times further from the Earth than the moon, and it just so happens to be 400 times bigger than the moon. So by coincidence, when the sun and moon cross paths, they perfectly line up with each other. Now, you do the math on how that can happen by random chance, and then you believe that that actually happened by random chance, and again, you're an idiot. At the bare minimum, we're talking about an intelligent designer. And when I hear people who mock us when we talk about flat earth facts, people who are supposedly Christians on our side, and, and, and I love, I, I love Kent Holbein. He's not mocking us. He, he's just very critical of 
a flat earth theory. And I'm screaming at the radio, screaming at my, my NSA listening device smartphone. Kent, buddy, do you have any idea how much flat earth facts actually rescue what we understand in Scripture? Actually take things that we have been mocked over in Scripture and validate them? The Bible is so much more incredibly pinpoint scientific accurate in light of a flat earth than in light of our uh, Jesuit cosmic accident Darwinian globe earth heliocentric matrix. Yeah. And people that, that, that Christians that, that are so destroyed by their, their, uh, their bias, their normalcy bias, they're so devastated by the fact that they've been living a lie that they refuse to come out of the lie. But um, I know what it's like, and I'll tell you what helps you with that, Mike, is self-examination. If you are willing to look at yourself in the mirror without flinching and say, that speck over there, that's ugly. That, that sin that I'm wrestling with, that's, that's not right. If you have the ability to examine yourself honestly and not excuse things that you're doing wrong and not lie to yourself, when you can sacrifice, you actually obey the Lord Jesus Christ when he says, sacrifice yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me, then you are open to the truth no matter how much it hurts no matter what it costs you in your worldview, and you are superpowered by that courage and by the truth that you then can grasp. So, totally, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it goes tight. So, this, anyways, uh, guess to put in, uh, it's Bob... Hi, Ramius, in the suit. I am convinced cousin works Hollywood. I think he's talking about this Bigfoot thing. Uh, David Patterson, he does uh, special effects. He told me that was a monkey suit. He was sure. Then that was guest three. Then guest two says, the eye is equally fooled. Can we believe any picture? A picture is not real. It still is an image with today's technology. It is easy to uh, fool the eye. And, of course, my eyes are really bad because my MS is all blotchy right now. I'm having a hard time reading. But, anyways, thank you for the inputs, guests two and three. Um, the... You know, when you look at this uh, Bigfoot and then you look yeah, at the Yeah, let's folks. address that, Mike. Let's address that before we go on. Um, listen to me. The technology of the era, the 8-millimeter film, the technology of the era has forever sealed the Patterson-Gimlin film as clearly what you see is what you get. Um, modern, yes, if you're talking about modern video, Absolutely. There isn't a single modern video, I would say, within the past 20 years, from 20 years ago on forevermore, that will, that will be trustworthy, that you can 
uh, skeptically dissect, but we are talking about 8-millimeter film that you have the negatives available for. Uh, when you're talking about someone that, that ran up onto this subject and got pretty darn close to this subject where you can see the hair patterns um, on the subject, you can see the muscles moving, you can see where the joints connect. Um, it really, and I don't want to be insulting or offensive, you look at that critically, critically, and you pull back on your emotions, and then you still say a monkey suit, you, there's, then there's a disconnect. You're not being honest. You're not that's, being, how, that's how I see it. I think that the Patterson film probably is legit. I think everything that's that, uh, that's the reason why I say that is because of the people that I do know who say even from that area uh, I used to live in Northern California and uh, people there's something weird going on out there it's not just the drug dealers the guys from the pot they freak you out there's something else going on out there um, oh, I, I, how, many, how many times there's, there's a confluence of paranormal activity um, uh, of, of all sorts when, when you're dealing and, and I, I mentioned this in some of my columns that there was a, a, a an incident in Pennsylvania where there was a confluence, a, a UFO sighting, and then a Bigfoot sighting, uh, and then as um, uh, a guy that, that I have a lot of respect for was doing an interview, says that uh, the, inter- the, the, the witness began to roll around on the ground and emit inhuman sounds amongst the smell of sulfur. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot of these instances where you have this confluence of paranormal activity. But, uh, look, who, who, 1967, no one's even really heard of Bigfoot. It's just starting to become popular. Um, if you're going to hoax Bigfoot in 1967, you're going to do really, really rudimentary stuff. You're not going to do anything nearly as sophisticated as putting breasts on a monkey suit, as having a female as the subject of your hoax. If you honestly think that someone was that sophisticated in 1967, again, you're not being honest. That is clearly a very, very unique um, bit of film, a subject in the film. And, and the movement of that subject, the broadness of that subject, they have uh, tried to approximate the, the size of a human being. I think the subject is... is um, really in a six to seven foot range, so not overly tall, but massively wide. And have you ever walked in a lot of crap, Mike? Have you ever walked in a lot of crap? I have. Sure. I, I, I've walked in, 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 in 80 pounds of, of, of body armor. Sure. It ain't easy. There's no way that you're fluid. And that's something else. And I would say that if you have a hope of, of being able to see any footage that um, could be legit, then certainly look at footage that's older, not necessarily recent, that of something that moves with unusual grace and fluidity. Um, I have seen a, a, a spot of film from Russia of a subject that a couple of boys supposedly came upon, um, and they're in, like, um, knee-deep snow, and this subject takes off. Now, it's, it's relatively modern. You could still manipulates uh, a digital version. But stuff like that that makes me think, you know, that one, that one there could be something to that, to that clip. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I think there is, there has to be, uh, with all the, the number of people who actually uh, who, who get nothing out of it. I mean, and listen, it, there's, there is a strong correlation between the Bigfoot story and the flat earth where you have the majority, and when I say the majority, I'm talking like 99% of the world says there's no way that there can be a Bigfoot. It just as there's no way the world could be flat, well, it turns out that, you know, 99% of the world is wrong about both issues. And how the people who say that they believe in Bigfoot are persecuted, and how people who will say, well, the earth is flat are persecuted, and how that the social dynamics behind it, and how important it is in a empire, in a satanic system that we're under, this Roman system, but it's not just Roman because it's all uh, it seems to be all <laughs> human endeavors like uh, politics or political systems or governments. The need to lie, the need to, for fear-based, fear-mongering. Look, to waiting out for the truth from that which is a lie takes time and energy because the fact is you and I have been lied to about everything. And it turns out, if you look at the 2015 now, with all the things that are going on, the fear-mongering of a, a mediator hitting the earth or, you know, so some, all these things they're, they're predicting that are going to happen, when in reality the biblical historical antichrist is coming to town to demonstrate his ownership of this place. Yeah, you know, and that, just... That's the real issue, and nobody's going to deal with that. And, you know, if something does not happen, if people do not wake up to this and say, wait, wait a minute, this is not right, we need to change things, um, things will get worse. You know, brother, let's, let's, hit that, <laughs> let's, let's hit that fear factor a little bit more. The number of pastors that preach the pre-tribulation rapture out of, out of fear, so you have two paradigms. One paradigm says you need to be prepared you need to be the good steward, the steward that uses their talents, the steward that um, prepares for challenge and tribulation and trial, the steward who passionately and righteously and indignant uh, fights injustice, fights evil on behalf of Christ to promote Christ himself and Christ's ideals of righteousness versus uh, those who say, well, we got a pre-tribulation rapture coming, we're going to be beamed up by Scotty, and so we don't have to do anything. He's just going to come right in and take us out, so we can just sit in our, our, our trailer home and not have to do anything, not have to worry about it. So you have a pastor that's actually teaching that. What is the risk of, of failure? If you're wrong, how much more harm are you, are you doing to your flock than if you're right? If I'm preaching that tribulation is guaranteed and that you need to prepare, however, you will also be completely protected and that any hardship that you experience, now you will experience hardship, you will experience pain, it will be 100% thoroughly and completely controlled by someone who loves you. You will experience pain. You will not experience, guaranteed in Scripture, anything more than you can handle. 
as opposed to these pastors, these preachers, who preach this pre-tribulation rapture out of fear, well, I don't want to go through the tribulation. I don't want to see any of that happening. We're going to get beamed up. No, not only is, is that wrong, but you are doing tremendous, tremendous. That is why the Lord's half-brother, Yaakov, who we mistakenly call James, said um, that it is better you don't teach because you will draw a greater condemnation when you're wrong and when you're willingly wrong. If you're willingly uh, misguiding people because of your own selfish agenda, I tremble. And, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ told us this. The Jesuits, the, the, the rulers of this world, can do anything they want, almost anything they want. They can ruin your reputation. They can ruin your finances. They can murder you without a trace. But you're not supposed to fear them. You're supposed to fear the one who can kill you and send you to hell because you didn't do what you were supposed to. You took the knowledge, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of this that, that can cross over into once saved, always saved, also being a heresy. Uh, if you take your knowledge of Jesus Christ and you don't passionately cultivate your relationship with him and speak of him in everything that you do, and you bury it instead, you will be assigned a place with the heathen where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and the worm doesn't die. Christ said that the branch in him that does not bear fruit is plucked and thrown in the fire, John chapter 15. Now, what does that sound like to you, Mike? Does that sound like to you of, of someone who already is a Christian, who's not bearing fruit as a Christian? <laughs> that tells what it sounds like to me. Right. So you get into this fear, this, this idea that, oh, well, the tribulation's coming, I'm, I'm going to get beamed up. Listen to me. The Lord is your everything. He is your shield and your sword. You will not endure anything that you do not have the strength to endure. In the same way that, again and again, Job was only given so much that he could handle, the children of Israel were protected from the plagues in Egypt. Um, Noah and his family were delivered through the flood. There's nothing that's coming your way that you can't handle. Just be a courageous steward. Live your relationship with Jesus Christ full bore. If you want to say to hell with something, say to hell with the world. Yep. Someone wants to embarrass you because you're a Christian, get in their face. Respond. React. When you see that the, these, these slime, these scum, these pigs that are mocking us, these, these um, Sarah Silverman and um, uh, what's the other one? Yes, what's this other pig that's a, that's a comedian, she also happens to be Jewish, uh, that mocks us, that mocks Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'd kill him again. Ha ha. Been... And, you, and you don't react to that? What is wrong with you? Kathy Gifford, I think her name is, that, that they actually openly mock 
our Savior and us and get away with it. They are the synagogue of Satan, is Jews that are exposed to Christ as Messiah and approach them now. By the way, Paul hated Jesus Christ and hated Christians. So you can be of that camp and still become saved. So I don't want to have people get obsessed with this synagogue of Satan thing and say that, okay, there's, there's the reason to persecute Jews now. Um, but for you to, to see that, that, that Larry David of um, uh, Seinfeld fame in his little HBO show had a, a, a video, an episode where he was urinating and the urine splashed on a picture of, of Jesus and he brought in a couple of, of bumpkins to think that, uh, that, that the picture had come alive and Jesus was crying, that's, that's funny. You, that's really? Are you, are you kidding me? And why aren't Christians in the streets with pitchforks and torches? That is why Satan has been allowed to have success that he has, because we let him. Because we let him. And also, there's very few of us, it's turned out to be. There's a lot of people walking around saying they're Christian, but aren't. Yeah. Yeah, and the time for the, the, time for the, the threshing floor is coming, brother. There's going to be time where, where them weeds are plucked out and separated. And um, the, the, those of us who, who love Christ with all of our hearts that are, that are live day to day, sick to death, sick to our stomachs, over having to be subjected to this crap, these chains, this uh, this oppression from these Luciferian scum, our time's coming. And here's the other thing you need to know. If you're not living Christ 100% full bore, if, if, if Jesus Christ isn't your everything, if you buy the stupidity and the lies of separation of church and state, the secular state, if Jesus Christ isn't your emperor of the universe, then guess what? When he returns and he's choosing who to elevate in their stewardship, you're not going to be there because you yourself didn't prove worthy because you weren't ready. Those who love Jesus Christ were sitting here screaming, I'm ready. Put me in, Isaiah. Here I am, Lord. I can't do this anymore. It's time to t- t- take it to them. We'll be ready. You're working out every day. You're practicing with a firearm. You're practicing martial arts. You're practicing how to, how to build and lead coalitions. Guess what? When the armies return, you'll be a key figure. If you're there sitting on the sidelines, afraid to say the name of Jesus Christ in your PTA meeting, you're going to go sit in the couch. <clears throat> That seems to be that is the issue, my friend, and it's uh, uh, they've taken. Well, that's the problem. I think the problem is at this point we need to put our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, yeah, and um, and uh, you know that's it right now. Develop as much as we can, deprogram from this world all the things, all the lies. And prepare ourselves for that time to share the, you know, to 
be ready for all that is. That is the truth. And the problem is, you know, when you look at people, the average person, whether Christian or not, just their head, they're it's full of lies. It's full of deceptions, full of fables. And if you're believing in all that stuff, what good are you? You're, well, only, good, and, you're only good to the world. You're not good to God. And, and your your passion for Jesus Christ will expose you. You know, the Lord said in Matthew 24 that if possible, even the elect would be deceived. And that's such a, a, a critical passage, a critical verse, um, that there is a deception, that if you become aware of it, it really will devastate you. It, literally, everything you know is a lie. Yeah. Everything you know is a lie. And the Lord will give you the knowledge of your true environment. You know, all you have to do is live for him. It's funny because um, hyper-Catholic, everything that you, if it's popular, it's co-opted. The Jesuits are handing it to you. Um, Donald Trump, if, if you're getting into this Donald Trump controversy right now, please know you are 100% manipulated. Yep. That Donald Trump, Megyn Kelly, I, you have to know. Rupert, Knight of Murdoch, Order of St. Gre- uh, Gregory, Murdoch. Papal puppet and his phone news. That, that puppet chump, Donald Trump, if you're getting into that, because here's what they do. They beat you down and beat you down and beat you down. And then they allow one of their idiots to simply say what you know is true. They have no intention whatsoever of ever acting on that truth. They're simply giving you an outlet of your frustration. They will never, you know, if I, I can't tell you the number of memes I've seen. Trey Gowdy just excoriated Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Daryl Issa owned Eric Holder. If you still buy any of that, you're a moron. <laughs> Eric well, Holder is laughing his way to the bank. You're what a person of the world. You're doing everything uh, 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 opposite what Christ asked you. How did, how did you buy into that? How do you for a minute believe that Trey Gowdy, Daryl Issa, John Boner, and all the rest of them aren't 100% owned by the Luciferians in general and the Jesuits in specific? What happened, any one of you, that got into, hey, boy, they're going after Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, she knew all about the waterboarding, and she's stepping down. Yeah, she stepped down. Again and again and again. <laughs> she, she did step down. Nancy Pelosi, trained by Jesuit Stephen J. Privet, president of San Francisco University. She stepped down for another Jesuit puppet, John Boner. I think it was Xavier College that John Boner went to, Jesuit, mm-hmm. Jesuit trained. Yes. You fall for that again and again and again. Please, put your head in a, in, in a toilet and flush it. Because <laughs> there is no substance. You fall for this Donald Trump stuff. And, and so, just to bring it full circle, how do you get out of that? How do you know? How, how is the Lord going to tell you? How is the Lord going to give you Anatoly's nose that I keep talking about? You know, if it's handed to you it's given to you by the Jesuits, but here's the kicker. 
the rules say that got to give you truth. You have hyper-Catholic Mel Gibson, who fell out of grace and just had to really bear it on his own to do Passion of the Christ, <laughs> along with James hyper-Catholic Caviezel. And here, lo and behold, they actually had a Jesuit on the set by the name of William Fulco, who was helping them translate Aramaic. What a coincidence. Now, it's still a great movie. If you watch how they depict the passion of our Savior, what Christ endured, it's inspiring. Christ said, if they did it to the master, what will they do to the servant? If you go through life and you don't have the flesh flayed from your back and have railroad spikes driven into your wrists and your ankles, consider yourself blessed. You're guaranteed that's going to happen to you. If you don't have that level of courage, where you're living for him the way he lived and died and lives again for you, I, I, I might question your salvation, brother or sister. I might, I might question how you're going to stand before him in judgment. We're all going to stand before him at, at, at some point. And, and really all it takes, just ask the Lord. Lord, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the, in the cares of this world, just like the seed that, that, that fell off to the side, was choked by weeds. Cares of the world, put us aside. Lord, please, by the blood of your Son, Make the realm of the Spirit real for me, as real as it actually truly is. The realm of the Spirit, true reality are the dimensions where you can walk through a wall into a room, scare the bejeebies out of your friends, eat a piece of fish, and disappear. That is the kind of interdimensional reality that actually exists. Ask the Lord to make his reality your reality so that the cares of this world will not distract you or intimidate you or fill you with fear. And that brings us back full circle. Just fill with fear. I think you're right. I think the thing is, you know, part of our role, too, is a serpent's Christ is to expose all the lies that are out there, to tear down the false idols, and and this false. You worship. said it, brother. If, if you're not, if you're, um, if you can sacrifice everything that is dear to you, you will have power over it. You know the best way to overcome fear of failure is to fail. Your best way to overcome. When is it that you become, I say you, I'm, I'm really mean, when, when is it that you become manic over something? It's because you want it too bad. It's become an idol to you. Let it go. Or be able to let it go. Lord, I love this. It would kill me to let it go. But it's yours if you want it. Just yeah. be honest with yourself. Be able to release it. And guess what? Then Satan 
can't manipulate you by it anymore. <laughs> you cherish what is, you cherish your comfort, you cherish you know, not going through trial and tribulation. Let it go. Lord, I'm ready. Subject me to your will, even if it hurts. And guess what? It no longer has power over you. You no longer live in fear. And now where should you live in fear? Your Savior is the King of Kings. He rose the mountains out of the seas, literally and figuratively, rose populations out of the seas to follow him and will again in the end. You have the King of Kings in your corner. Why are you not living full bore for him? Without fear, no weapon formed against you will prosper. He that lives in you puts everything else to shame. He that lives in you terrifies other people. All you have to do is have a quiet, loving, humble aggressiveness. And that sounds kind of juxtaposed, but it's not. You look even in the eye, not in arrogance, not in confrontation, in quiet. You know what meekness is defined as? Meekness is defined as power under restraint. You, you hold it in, you hold it in, you hold it in, and then when the time is right, you unleash it, and you will terrify people. In your righteousness, in the peace that Christ gives you that is beyond understanding, because he has taken away the guilt of your sins, he takes away the fear of the unknown. Lord, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I love you and you love me and you're in control. And, I'm, and you got it. And you got it. Do with me as you will. I have no fear. You are invincible. You are invincible until you are called to him. And then you are glorified. Why would you ever have fear? Don't look in front of you. Don't look at the storm. Don't look at the waves or you'll sink. You look at Christ. You have passion for him. You have anger for the enemy. You have anger for unrighteousness. You have anger for evil. Righteous indignation. You put your foot down and take a stand. Literally for the love of what is holy. You take a stand. Shrug off the Jesuit chloroform. Ain't no rapture going to beam you up. You will be raptured on his return. Once. Christ isn't returning twice. He's coming once at the end. And how you are judged will be based upon what you do until then. And rest assured, the fourth and final beast the dragon, the, the creature that is like un, any other, sits in Rome. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Well, I tell you what, before we close up, let's give us one more time. We started out with uh, what's going on on the 26th of September. Let's talk about one more time for folks as a reminder. Lima. I got it now. Lima. Okay. <laughs> pat, pat me on the back. Give me a... Give me a, 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 a give me, high Lima. five. <laughs> there we go. Pastor Mike Spaulding, great guy, really good guy. I'll tell you, um, I started to say earlier that uh, there's so much in Calvary that, that, that I, I began to believe, and then especially with the influence of Chuck Mithler and um, you know, the Schofield heresies, 
of um, excuse me of uh, you know the, the Darby Schofield heresies that, that Missler teaches, especially with Hal Lindsey, uh, Jesuit puppet Hal Lindsey's two daughters Jennifer and Robin went to Jesuit Gonzaga University. Lindsey was um, married and divorced, divorced three times on his fourth wife. Um, Carol C. Carlson actually wrote the late great planet Earth for him. She's undoubtedly a nun, highly trained Catholic insurgent. So a lot of this stuff is in Calvary, in Calvary teachings. But Calvary, God love them, they're good people, fundamentalist, evangelical, good people that, with a heart for Jesus Christ. And I will always, I'll tell you, just talking about uh, Skip Heitzig, the pastor that, that called me, and will still tear me up. Uh, and, and honestly, I still listen to Skip uh, as often as I can, and I, I get very little from him that, that is that I can complain about. So there are a lot of good people in Calvary, in the Calvary movement, but they are completely anesthetized. And Pastor Mike, <laughs> the guy's got sand. The guy's got some backbone. He knows I'm going in as a wrecking ball. He said, yeah, go ahead. Come on in, Johnny. Carp launch. 26th September, Calvary Chapel, Lima, Ohio, I think we're going 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We're starting early in the morning, so, you know, 9 a.m. The cost is free. Um, give a free will offering. They'll, they'll, you know, and that's the other thing that really drew me to Calvary when I first started going in Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque, New Mexico. No collection plate, nothing. They had these boxes along the aisles for free will offerings. Great setup. Really good setup. Um, but there is a lot. The, the, the body of Christ as is being lived by uh, the evangelical community is completely anesthetized and asleep at the wheel. And brother, we're going to give her a, a kick to the seat of the pants. And we're going to start to wake some people up. And so 26 September, Calvary Chapel, uh, Lima, Ohio, and I'll actually go ahead and, and give the uh, the physical location. You can go to my, my website, Johnny Cerucci, J-O-H-N-N-Y-C-I-R-U-C-C-I dot com. Um, and right there, the very first bump is Join Johnny for an all-day conference. And uh, that gives all the information on it. And the location is 682 West Grand Avenue. And it is 9 a.m. I, I keep thinking 8, 8 a.m. No, I'm like, I have too much on my plate as it is to start that early. Uh, how I'm going to have I'm going to have to bring a second computer with all the PowerPoints I'm going to have to prepare for this but um, so that's uh, Pastor Mike Spaulding Calvary Chapel of, of, uh, of Lima and um, 26 September and then for anything else that's going on with me is um, uh, com, and then there's buttons across the top Illumini, Illuminati Unmasked is the, is the book uh, two more buttons over is uh, on the air. Resistance Rising is the podcast. Let me warn you, the podcast is rated PG-13. I am a passionate Italian, uh, 20 years in the military. I um, will throw out some, uh, some sailor, I'm sorry, some marine language. Spent four years in Uncle Sam's misguided children. And I will carefully bleep it out so you don't get too offended. Uh, I'm a passionate guy. I don't ever, ever, ever take the Lord's name in vain. And uh, look, uh, you know what? It's become kind of a uh, kind of a test at this point, Mike. I don't revel in. Uh, is it sin? Well, it's not something you should be doing. I don't know that it's outright sinful. I'm not trying to to harm the body of Christ. 
uh, it has actually become a test. There have been people, a lot of people have responded and say, man, you know, dude, I like that you're a real guy. I like that you allow yourself to get angry um, and, and, and start throwing some stuff out there. Uh, I never use the Lord's name in vain. I never say GD. I never say JC unless I'm really talking to him. So um, there have been a lot of, not a lot, I would say three different exchanges I've had with people that came across as pretty darn phony, where uh, they, they come out and are really just indignant. Now, look, I'm bleeping myself out. You know how much work it takes to get wrapped, to wrapped up, get passionate, saying this stuff, and then stop what I'm doing, go back and bleep it out. I, I got me, myself, and I. That's my production crew over here. So it takes a lot of effort to do that. So I'm very careful to do it. And, you know, there was a, uh, one guy that just went off the deep end. Uh, you know, I almost think you're controlled opposition. What do you, right, my response to you is, what are your secret sins, brother? Really? You're going off on me because every once in a while I get myself frothed up and, and use some coarse language? What are you doing wrong that, that, that you're so righteously indignant over something like that? Uh, there was another nicer lady that was, um, you know, just trying to coach me in a direction. I said, ma'am, I do not, um, I do not screw with you. I should not be doing it. It's, it's something that's it's kind of my nature. I'm trying to battle my nature sometimes best as I can. Sometimes I, I just take the brakes off. But aren't we blessed in America where we can take the time to write to someone to say that they should not be using coarse language? When we're pulling babies halfway out of the womb and sticking a pair of scissors into the back of their necks. When there are Christians around the world who are being beheaded, raped, mutilated, and tortured because of an inquisition that never stopped. So where are our priorities? Let me tell you, there's a storm coming. And the Lord wants passionate passionate people, flawed in nature, humble, and forgive me, pissed. Good Christians who love Christ, who have had enough. And we're not tap dancing around. We're not tippy-toeing around. There's going to be a time for some butt whooping. It's coming. And there are more and more good people who say, you know what? I'm ready. I want to be one of the ones that gets sent in. I'm I'm not perfect. I'm a construction worker. My, my buddy, um, Nick, from Sydney, Australia, shout out to you, brother, says the same thing. I, I, I'm a flawed, regular guy. Uh, some things I, sometimes I say things I shouldn't say, um, but I love the Lord. And there's going to be a time coming where, as, as Eric Blair once said, George Orwell, who's one of them, Rough men standing at the ready. And, and that time is coming. And I hope that uh, this opportunity in, in September, we create some more rough men and wake up some women who are called to do according to whatever the Lord has them called to be. They're not going to be called to be men, but they're absolutely going to be called to do whatever is in their, uh, their destiny to do. And so I'm, I'm very conscientious to say that men and women are different, so... Um, you know, this whole thing about women being warriors is, is uh, a Luciferian agenda. But uh, women, absolutely, we, we are all, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female in the Ecclesia. We all have 
powers and abilities and, and, and superpowers that the Lord has blessed us with, and it's time to let them blossom. To hell with the world. Take a stand and wake up. Sounds good, brother. Sounds good. So, All right, man. Uh, stay on, and uh, I'm just going to end the recording now. So once again, uh, Johnny Cerucci and... Uh, Another enjoyable conversation, and uh, I felt I've, at least I got something out of it, and I hope the rest of you do as well. So, with that, God bless and take care. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.